I'd be at first. I'm on the wrong show, see ya. Alright, let's see. <laughs> I was going to say that's not happening with me. That's right. I have to press the button. The light is green. Cue intro. No, 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 no. Ah! Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. is Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer, with your host, Mr. Gameplay Goodness himself, Stevie Strout. Good afternoon, everybody. We are here. The panel is assembled. The live audience is already live audiencing with us. Exile in Paradise is out there. L. Curtis B., Mark O., Jim Rye, Mikey in the live chat already starting off the program with viewers. That's always a nice thing. Uh, hello, everybody. And um, I am your guest host this week. My name is David Ladd. <laughs> yeah, so it's good to be here. Uh, let's say hi to our panel. In the top left-hand corner, we've got none other than Rick Euland. Hello, Rick. Welcome. Howdy, howdy. we got a guy sitting in his new chair, our backup streamer and engineer, Mr. Mark Bosley. Hey, Mark B. Hello. Our Game On guy, Ken Waters, is here. Canadian Retro Things. Good day, eh? Hi, panel. Hi. Good day. we got a guy who knows a thing or two about astronomy and computers, and he's got a lovely wife, and I think he's into Mopar, too. Rondello! Hello! Hello. I have a Rick Ewan starter beer. We got the Rick Ewan starter (laughs) beer, right? Right? And we got more people just popping in the live chat here. DeBruce is here. DeBruce Moore is here. Hello, DeBruce. And David Craker has joined us. Tom Eric Gunnerson and now Mark Siegel has joined us. Welcome, welcome, welcome. On that note, our resident Apple guy and the guy who stays on top of live chat, our chat moderator and link provider, Mr. Mark Overholzer. Hello, Marco. Hey there, glad to be here. With a freshly shorn dome, too. Look at that thing. Aerodynamic. Kevin Holloway is here. Hey, Kevin Holloway, how are you? Our foreign correspondent and news gatherer, L. Curtis Boyle. How are you today, sir? How did you know Kevin Holloway was freshly shorn? Welcome, <laughs> <laughs> everyone. Ah, Paco Otakte and David Ladd have joined us, two of his personalities. Tim Lindner is here, <laughs> that guy who's playing Daggereth like that idiot from the book. He's out there. We've got the music too. man, Brian Schubring, is here. Hey, Brian, you're muted. Hey, 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 I'm not muted no more. All hey. right. Hey. Thank you for joining us. Alan, Exile in Paradise Murphy is with us. Hello, hello. Howdy, howdy. The Thunder, from down under, owner of many Ferraris, creator of many games. Nicholas Morantes is here. Good eye, Nick. Oops, did I take the wrong turn and come here again? <laughs> oh, well. Okay. Uh, crikey. Crikey, crikey, oh, crikey. And will the real David Ladd please stand up? Hello, David Ladd. Hello, everyone. I hope everybody's ready today's show. I'm sure everybody's just got their hands gripping the steering wheel like, oh, what's going to happen next? Let's do it. 
There you go. Enthusiasm has just turned up to 11. We've had the David <laughs> boost of enthusiasm right there. And uh, we do not have a guest today. Today we have what we often have, which is what we call, you know, just Audio. another show, just a regular show. You know, and on a regular show, there's not much we bring here. We bring you, I don't know, a couple of talking heads like ourselves. And then what do we do? We talk about whatever game we played this week, blah, 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 boring crap, right? And then we get into game on news, yeah, more meaningless nonsense. Then we get into the snoozy newsy, yeah, whatever, more crap. And then we get into updates and acquisitions. And then we hit the button, Frank. And that's it. So let's just save everybody some time. Let's just hit the button. Goodbye, everybody. Oh, oh! I gotta fix that. That was the after dark intro. But anyways, actually, that's kind of cool. Yeah, we're, we're gonna leave it on that. We're gonna play us out on the after dark intro tonight because that was still here. For the last I no longer have to be safe. Yes, yes, no, but we do. And then Mikey says, "There's no steering wheel here, just a floor sweeping and mopping devices." Oh, so he's got his Roombas and all other kinds of uh, droids. To I work. mean, he's riding a Roomba or what? Yes, or something. Like those cats in the videos. So we don't have a guest. And um, we are going to get into Game On, but maybe before we do that, this is not necessarily going to be project updates and acquisitions, but is there anything anybody wanted to talk about before we just got into just roll right into Game On? Because sometimes on a show like this, it's like, hey, I'm Bob. Hey, here's the Game On. You know, So maybe we have a little filler content before we go into the Game On. Other than the normal updates and acquisitions, anything going on this week? I'll give you an example. I saw The Batman, so um, the new Batman movie. Uh, anybody else got anything going on this week, non-Coca related, or just for filling and killing time? I've yeah, got some, I, uh, I've got a little notation. What is that? We're Brian? on episode 252. Yeah. Chrysler has the 252. Chrysler has the 252. Cubic inch, oh yay. Oh. There you go. There you go. Marco, mm-hmm. what were you going to say? Oh, just got back from a week at Disneyland, actually, uh, three days and couple travel days but anyway i took the granddaughter first time ever for her 14 years old really loved it nice nice did you see steve bjork while you're out there <laughs> no i wish you would have he loves no, that disneyland yeah i know i was thinking of all the stories he's told about the various stuff like the haunted mansion and stuff yeah yeah cool yeah saw some of your pictures on facebook good stuff good stuff um I will bring up one thing, and actually I'll involve Ron DeVoe in this one, too. We talked about it on the pre-show. I wasn't going to do this part of the news story because it's not a Coke-related story, but since we're doing kind of whatever, uh, Taylor and Amy, we had on last week, uh, of course, I have a lot of interest besides retro computers, and one of the things they're interested in is astronomy, and their latest video this week featured them using an iPhone to take photos through their telescope. And since Ron's a professional astronomer among us, I was going to ask what his impression was, if he had any tips for them. Um, it was great. They did a great job. They they first put it on and had no clue how to adjust their camera for it, but they did get it after a while. And at the end of the clip, they showed a, a great picture of the moon. Now the thing to do is do a screen print and then make a high color scan for the um, color computer. And put it on <laughs> there. Just a few steps <laughs> missing. They right? don't have a Cocoa Three yet, Ron. They only have a Cocoa Two. Yeah. Well, okay, we can do it with the um, P mode four. P mode four. P mode four digitizer. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Okay. But, but did you have any tips for them? Because you do a lot of photography. Like, is there well, certain, certain tips? They have an ast- astro scan. It's limited in, in aperture to, uh, I think it's four inches, which uh, is good for the moon, the planets. You have to have some uh, magnification for the planets. But you can get some de- decent pictures with uh, an iPhone. iPhone has great camera. And um, there's adjustments you can make to it. The main thing is with the moon, the moon is so bright, even in a four inch telescope, 
Yeah, you know, you put your eye in there to look at the moon live, and it, it almost seems to like blind you because it's so bright. Wow. And um, sometimes uh, people put uh, on their eyepiece a filter that cuts the, the light down. Yeah, moon, moon filter. And, I have those in mine. Yeah. And that helps for uh, the brightness and gives you more contrast when you see it with your eye. Just like they said, though, uh, they must have uh, boned up a little bit because uh, one of the things they mentioned that was important is that your eye is not exactly. Uh, the best uh, optical instrument to use because it's limited in what it can see. But uh, when we use the camera, it, it's able to get more in different kinds of light and interpret it for us, which makes uh, some of these pictures you see of uh, stars and galaxies and star clusters show up so well. Yeah, I, I left my comment because one of my early interests in probably about the grade four to eight, nine thing. I was really interested in astronomy. We actually did a trip to, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right anymore because I can't remember, but Mount Palomore, Palomar, the big 200 inch yeah. telescope in California. We mm -hmm. actually went to visit it on the way to Disneyland. I was more excited by that than Disneyland <laughs> at the that, time. It's an awesome place. When I was yeah. a kid, I remember um, looking at galaxies uh, that the uh, Palomore telescope took pictures of and thinking, wow, wouldn't it be cool to see and then actually taking the same pictures through a home telescope in the backyard is just so awesome because you never realized that you could reproduce those with a telescope in your backyard due to technology now, which yeah. is amazing. Yeah. yeah. But it was, it was pretty good because I mentioned like I had, a, I had the two telescopes. I had a really small little plastic put together model when I was in like grade two or three. And then I actually got a 234 power with a Barlow lens refractor and I had the moon filter you're talking about. I also had the sun filter. So you can look directly at the sun and see the sunspots going around and stuff like that too. So I was really into it for a while. And then this stupid cocoa thing came up and I dropped everything else. <laughs> <laughs> sold my telescope off and all that. I kind of, kind of regretting that now a bit. Is there a David Ladd filter for this program to help people? I'm not sure. but uh... Yeah, it's the hang up button. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, Thanks. David Craker says, I really liked their telescope video too. Sent it to my daughter to watch. Yeah. Um, so here's an interesting fun fact, a little piece of trivia. And I'm not an astronomer, but some of this probably you would understand too, Rondeva. But I met a person who uh, developed a lot of very cool things. He, he lives down here in South Florida. His name is Alan Rand. Uh, among his many accomplishments was he developed the lenses that brought back the photographs from Mars. He came up with night vision because he was an astronomer. He came up with the idea of the mobile observatory because as he was explaining to me, you know, you have the heat is a problem. The light from the cities are a problem. There's all these problems, which is why most observatories are like up in a mountain in a cold place because there's less visual uh, distortion, distortion and stuff like that. So he, so these are things that he was aware of. And, and, the, and the reason why he came up with night vision was because he was trying to extend the amplification of lenses and one of the things he had discovered is that every time you double the magnification you have the intensity of the light that you're getting so there's a diminishing return on how far you can magnify and zoom with traditional lenses and that's where he came up with the idea of adding the phosphorus to kind of regenerate the light each with each new uh, magnification level and then that ended up becoming night vision not that he planned on weaponizing it or using it for military purposes, but it was developed for astronomical purposes. So really interesting guy. Cool stories, and he's down here in South Florida. And I, years ago, I helped him set up his website. Ronald Reagan spoke about him in his book and his memoirs, and I put that on his website. And he was developing new types of imaging technology that was supposed to be better than infrared. I don't know where that went, but yeah. So that's, that's the two cents I know about 
lenses. <laughs> I think the biggest yeah. biggest breakthrough in lenses in the last hundred years or probably ever is the deformable lenses they're using now on the modern telescopes that can actually, with a laser guide point, can actually make up for the distortion like you're talking, like the heat wave distortion stuff. It actually will straighten that all out so you can get clearer pictures like you do on, from Hubble. Hmm. Cool. That's amazing stuff. I never would have thought that ever would have happened in a million years when I was young. Anybody yeah, got well, any? Anybody got any? I want to talk about RVs for about four hours. You want to talk about camper technology and stuff like that, or are we good there? Uh, we don't need a telescope <laughs> to see David's lad. Yeah. Orange, orange Thanks a lot, man. <laughs> a star in his own mind. Uh, really? <laughs> I think I'm going to crawl back in my corner. <laughs> all right all right all right well we hey, I just said you're a star david i wasn't kidding we've we've stalled enough it's time to get on with the show we will move into everyone's favorite segment of the show we're going to get into the game on results the high score challenge results the game we played this week i don't believe we have an on topic uh coco thoughts so i pulled one from the archive i pulled one of the greatest hits of coco thoughts so we'll start off with the coco thought we'll get into the game on results and, oh, Mikey says he would like more drive wire talk. Okay, we can do that. All right, so here we go. Let's get some Coco thoughts and then some game on results. And now, Coco thoughts by Samuel Gimes. If the adapter to let your joystick work with Coco Max is called a high res joystick interface, why is the one that lets you use an Atari joystick? not a low-res joystick interface. Hmm. All right, it's time for Game On Results with Canadian Retro Things, Ken Waters. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome everybody to the results of this week's Coco Talk Game On Challenge of the Week, where we played Color Caterpillar. We had a total of 11 players. There was Exile in Paradise with 3,470, Mark B with 5,922, C. Duras with 9,914. Canadian Retro Things with 12,317. Jim Rye with 13,624. Mr. Dave 6309 with 16,177. AC's 8 bit zone put in a score a little bit late for, of 37,858, but he managed to sneak in a score of 16,308 just before the buzzer. We had OG Stevie Stroh with 17,242. Brian Walsh with 30,856. Rich N with 32,666. And the number one score this week was... Tasman Scott Cooper with 57,121. Thanks to everybody that played and we will see you next week. Ooh, very dramatic reading there. Good oh, stuff. You. Nice contrast. We were able to see the foreground and the background there, and that's a nice Excellent. Uh, Excellent. That's what I was there. going for. Yeah, yeah, it's a beauty, eh? Uh, <laughs> tough game. Wicked tough game. It got really fast, really hard, very quickly. It did, yeah. Um, 
So I looked for reviews of this game and I could only find one. Um, except I can't share my screen. Uh, hold on one second. I will. Uh, <laughs> I will remedy that. Multiple participants can share, and I will just go ahead and stop sharing right now. But go ahead. Okay. Uh, ah, there we go. Yeah. Good share job, Tasman. That was that. That game. Yeah, that was a really good score. For really that good game. score. Uh, and you took some dedication to be able to stay with it. Color Caterpillar by Mike Hall. And this was a review in the International Color Computer Club newsletter. Oh, interesting. That's the only place I could find a review of it. Where, where the hell did you find that? <laughs> it was on the archive. Okay. It took, it took some searching. Oh, good um, for you. But, uh, yeah, so... Uh, the, did you do that highlighting yourself there? Like, I did do that highlighting myself because this person did like the game. They thought there was a lot of emphasis put on the detail of the game, especially the... Uh, legs of the well he called it a tarantula okay. and the legs of the caterpillar but okay. the sound effects not so good um just a nice pop when you hit something but other than that no noise except for when you score ten thousand points to get a free man which i have to say the first time i did that i died right away because it actually scared me the way the screen uh, yeah the screen inverts for a second and goes, what the heck? goes to no. dark green yeah yeah <laughs> Um, and also the fact that you have to watch the title screen every time you reset the game. Yeah, yeah. And no high score. It doesn't keep a high score. No, it does but, not keep a high score. Yeah. But otherwise, he said everything else about it was excellent. There's 32 levels of play. And this is a faster game than any of the other versions he's played. Very true. So, Very true. Although, also one thing that I found interesting in here is I tried loading the um, archive.cassette file. Because he said in here, when you load the arc or when you load the cassette file, it uh, had a um, title screen while it was loading. But did, so, not, did you do it on real hardware or on an emulator? I tried it on real hardware, and it didn't. Did you have the Coco SDC installed when you did it? Uh, no, I just did a direct feed from the computer into my uh, Coco. Okay, because because I know like disk controllers move certain things, certain areas of memory out of the way. So I know some of the cassette stuff. When they did the loading screen, if you had a disc controller, it kind of got oh, okay. the memory got shuffled. But if, if you didn't, if the title screen was part of copy protection, it was probably stripped off in the version of the mm. archive. Yeah, I was hoping to get some footage of that, but I didn't get the yeah, footage of that. that was so, um, okay, well, so that is the review of it. So he liked the game, other than the sound effects and having to watch the uh, title screen over and over. Yeah, I found it got very fast. Like there was no. Um, kind of difficulty ladder it just kept falling down a chasm of difficulty and and it fell faster and faster and faster as as you went i felt the um the spider was completely evil yeah. um there was no safe spot even if you if you cowered in a corner he'd get you you he know chase you around he yeah. actually chased you around the screen not like the other unless he was up he high kinda... if he wasn't like up high at maximum height you had very little chance of actually shooting him it felt like yeah, because he, he would go along the bottom and skitter along until he hit you. Yeah. Now, so, I haven't played this game in a long time, so I've forgotten a lot of details of it. Uh, does the spider just go from one end of the screen to the other, or does he start backtracking? No, he chases you all over the screen. If yeah. you go under him, he'll backtrack towards you. He goes oh, in okay. whatever direction He's evil. from him. He is completely evil. Yeah, so you really got to get under him first thing and shoot him while he's up in the air. 
I actually had what I thought was going to be a bug. Because you remember the old caterpillar attack by Tom McSoffer? You could get like a, a centipede head stuck between mushrooms and it would just kind of yeah. bounce back and forth and never move. I had a little cluster kind of pinned in the corner. I'm like, oh my God, this is great. I'm going to farm this whole screen and I'm going to just shoot everything out of the way. And then, and then when the spider comes by, the spider actually wipes out the mushrooms and frees them. So, um, but I did have a, what I thought was a nice little... Um, you know, I had them stuck and I could play around and stuff and it just, it didn't last very long. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, for tips and tricks on this game, uh, definitely, uh, kill the, uh, spider as quick as you can when he comes on screen. All right. Do you have any gameplay footage there, Ken? Or? I don't actually, nobody posted anything this week and I didn't have time to record anything. So, oh, okay. Yeah, it was a really good clone, though. It yeah. it had all the main elements. You know, it had the uh, falling, um, the things that fall, flea. When, the flea, right? Yeah. Um, and then that did create the, the the poisonous mushrooms. I don't know that the thing actually needed that mushroom to speed up. I think it just. I think they sped up. On, yeah, it kind of seemed to speed anyways. up randomly. They would speed up in midair without touching anything. Um, Sometimes I, you'd shoot them and uh, the one head, a head would come off and go really slow. Sometimes it would go really fast. Yeah. There didn't seem to be rhyme and reason. No, I was on a Coco 3 and I didn't mess with the F1 colors. So I had red mushrooms normally. And then the blue one was the, uh, you know, the poisoned one. Um, I did notice every now and then a mushroom would just turn blue on its own without anything touching it either. So I mm -hmm. thought that was weird, but... Um, so it looks like this version played with the rules a bit there. They yeah, and I don't remember those fleas falling as often as they did, and even like on the first levels, like it just it just happened. It was nonstop fleas falling on every single level. Fleas mm -hmm. in the arcade game fall once the number of mushrooms on screen drops below a certain level. Oh, because they're trying to replenish the field. Not okay, is, isn't it the number of mushrooms on the bottom third of the screen that it's based on? I uh, don't remember. I think. I, maybe I'm remembering that wrong, but I thought it's, if they give you empty at the bottom, that's when they start firing down. But I might be wrong in that. Well, in this game, it just added more and more mushrooms as often as it could. Yeah, and it did make it pretty easy to hit target, though, because it was you could line up and get it. So I'm assuming the one thing I wish it did is I wish it made a little pop sound when you hit things. So you never really knew if you hit the spider. You just think, oh, he's gone. Thank God. Right. But if a little tiny pop sound when you hit the spider or hit the flea would have been nice. The firing sound, a nice little clicky sound, was good. So the bullet sound was a good sound, but a little um, kind of audio feedback for hitting a, a baddie would have been nice. Hmm. I realize it would have slowed the game down a little bit, you know, because it would freeze for a, a frame while it made the sound. But um, but all in all, I think it was a pretty pretty good uh, version. I I enjoyed. Do you think it ranks up there with their buzzard bait? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Buzzard bait was a great, rep, you know, representation of the game. So in yeah. that regard, as Other far than as the flying part, but yeah, yeah, as, as far as capturing the elements of what all the characters in the gameplay were, and one hundred percent. What I found for me personally was just that it it just got so difficult that I was not motivated to keep playing because it really felt like it was just punishing the player. You know, sometimes a game is good. And it's difficult by design, but it's not difficult by evil. And um, so, you know, you, you sometimes want to keep playing that game to push yourself to get past where you did last time. This game just felt like it was punishing me. So I, I, I could average 12,000, and it was really hard to break that plateau. And I, and I played it a few dozen times this week. Mm -hmm. I it was able to squeeze in a lot of time. So I did make valiant efforts to get better scores, but I was like, you know what? 
I just don't want to force myself to play this game because it, it it doesn't feel like it's I, I'm not I don't feel like I'm being rewarded by this I feel like I'm being punished you know so I'm not complaining this is not hating just kind of my opinion you know in some games you just don't you don't want to play them just because you know like Donkey King would be a different story that was an evil game but you really wanted to keep getting to a new level you know you wanted to keep saying oh I could do a little bit better I know the game is evil but I could do a little bit better this one is like no the game's just evil so <laughs> I can't imagine what that game would have been like when you hit level 32 yeah right but um, one of the things that I did find and I think Mark had the same problem uh, once in a while when you hit one player it would actually start a two player game mm, if, yeah. you didn't, if you didn't have two joysticks plugged in you'd have to unplug your joystick mm. plug it into the other port because it wouldn't start without hitting the fire button. So that sounds like could... it's time for a product placement. Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> uh, there's nobody here to do a product placement. Uh, I though, did so. have to use my uh, Joey joystick switch as well because I was playing around with a few things. So, <laughs> yeah, I was using VCC, and it would just both joysticks were on anyway. Yeah, yeah. But this you know, I got my best, my absolute best score as a two player. Interesting. Well, yeah, but you combine both scores. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would have been even better. Doing some fuzzy math on that one, huh? Yeah, but then I couldn't get didn't get a screenshot of it quick enough. So, oh, right. I, I tried the that. emulator route, but um, getting a normal like Xbox style thumbstick controller was not well for this game. This game did not. Yeah. This game needed a super fluid ability to move around so i had to bust out real hardware to play it um i, I tried it with a mouse on both the coco pie and even like on uh, xroar on my computer but then what i was finding was that i could still see my mouse and the game and i couldn't get rid of my mouse pointer so that was like bothering me and so it it, it i wanted to play the game bad enough to where i had to bust out hardware in order to do it just so i could play this <laughs> week and i did because you well, needed that analog joystick See, my, my suggestion the other day was that to maybe uh, reverse the wiring in a mouse, turn it upside down, and use it as a, as a trackball. Yeah. yeah. Or you just use a real trackball. That yeah. works too. You got one of those. Well, yeah, but who's got one of those? Yeah. Me. I do. I got a Wicca. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yep, but not everybody there. has one of those. Nah. By the way, Bruce Moore has joined us, and he's been pantomiming quite a bit. So for those of, for those of at home who are hearing impaired, we do have the uh, pantomiming uh, signing language. Or is that visually impaired? Yeah, something. I don't know what it is. Hearing impaired, some type of impaired. But, yeah, we've got hand gestures going on here, thanks to Bruce. So um, And he's a little <laughs> bit tall, too, today. A little bit tall. <laughs> he's cut off at the eyeballs. Yeah, I see Brian Schubring's actually demoing the game. If you see go. some live video footage, oh, there we go. Brian, we the can music highlight that Schubring. just to show. Uh... Pew 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 pew. Yeah, I'll spotlight that for you. There you go, Brian. There we go. This is the game that we played. Color color caterpillar. The animations it's... look nice and smooth. Yeah, I have to it say. starts off innocent enough, and then it just gets yeah. wicked fast, wicked hard, wicked quick. That... And then when you got the last one left, he is a devil to try to get yep so well that one's gotten stuck down in the corner <laughs> and then it will keep adding on extra heads if you uh don't uh another thing too it was it was very brutally honest with you it didn't say game over it said player one dead <laughs> <laughs> but well, yeah that, i would that say removed that... all doubt yeah. As a game, I would not have been disappointed to have this as a game. No, no, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't like they they took your money and run type of game, um, but it really gave you your money's worth. It gave you your uh, 
your challenge is worth, I should say. Yeah. You really, you really yeah. had to work for it. You really built that uh, hand-eye coordination play in this game. I have a question for Nick Morantes here because soft sector marketing is also the ones that did Caterpillar, not color Caterpillar, Caterpillar for the Tier City Model 1 and 3, which was a fairly popular one. I remember big ads for an 80 micro. Nick, did you ever play that one and how did it compare with the Coco? Uh, no, I never played that one. Uh, I do remember when they came out, same company. That's why the name looked familiar to me, but I never played the game back in the day. No. Did you have a different favorite Centipede clone on the Model 1 3? Uh, just never liked well, Centipede? I was, Never really a fan of Centipede. Oh, okay. Translation for the folks at home, he sucked at it. So mm. <laughs> I, I spend my time debugging, so the last thing I want is a game with more bugs. Oh, <laughs> I see what you did there. I see what you did there. And I approve. I'm Steve Strobridge, and I approve this message. So, yeah, so that's good stuff there. Um, all right, so, well, that was uh, the game of the week. Anybody want to see what we're playing next week? Nah, who nope. cares? Move on. <laughs> oh, yes, I'm waiting Ooh. here in suspense. Ooh, David's excited. Ooh, what the hell is oh, that? Oh, finally, Space Race. <laughs> Omega Race clone, for those of you familiar with the arcade uh, game, which is a vector game. So, um... Well, you, you just, you just it went screen? away so fast. Didn't you? Oh, can... sorry, I was bringing up the title screen. Ah, okay. There. So, Space, Space Race. Race. And um, now you may recognize one of the authors here, Rick Lamont, Coco Three game, Rick Lamont and Darren Stinnett. Darren Stinnett is one of the authors of Dexter. Ah, okay. Ah. I recognize the name Rick Lamont. I'm trying to remember what else he's done. Lancer is one Lancer. Of his. Okay, gotcha. The better, you know, Joe's clone until the trans. Um, I'm just going to throw this out here as a shameful promotional opportunity here. I, I have this video on one of my DVDs that has exclusive gameplay footage not available anywhere else. I think that's on my second DVD. But I, I did play this one. I don't have a YouTube video for it, but I do have this one on my um, on my exclusive Coco Gaming DVD. Um, so buy, buy the exclusive DVD to get a better score this week. I don't know about that, but you can play the game for free. So... Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, so we're playing it on level zero. And for those of you that are familiar with Omega Race and not this game, the control scheme is a little bit different. Because on uh, every version of Is it kind of like Omega Asteroids Race, where you have to angle the ship and then thrust in the direction you're pointing? Well, that's that's how the original Omega Race is. This okay. one is actually, it thrusts you in whichever direction you push you're the joystick. It turns you and thrusts you in that direction. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so a little bit different. But, but if you center the joystick, you'll actually get uh, momentum where you'll slow down and bounce and then you yeah. know, gradually come to a stop. So there's a lot of flight mechanics to get good at this one. This used to be one of my favorites back in the early 80s after it was released, to be honest. I don't I haven't played it in years, so I don't know how I'll do now, but I, I used to be pretty good at it. And yeah, like I said, we're playing on level zero because I tried it. It's pretty hard. So other than if you're Curtis Boyle, you, you might have a little trouble playing it. Okay. Well, before before we go further, if, if Sloopy's unable to do the live game show, can yeah. we make some sort of arrangement here right now to make sure that we do have a live stream for people to watch? Yeah, just and let me know. Let me know. Okay. If 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 the day of, if Sloopy hasn't chimed in saying when Thursday is the day, right? Yeah, Thursday. So if Sloopy that... has not mentioned anything on Thursday, let me know and and I'll do it. Okay. Problem solved. Cool. Yeah. Um, somebody also have to double check that because I'm usually busy right at the very beginning of the uh, broadcast. So, 
I won't know until probably a half hour to 45 minutes in that we're not streaming. Yeah, and, and so just so it wasn't streamed to the public, but it was yeah. still took place on Discord, which is where it happens anyway. So I believe a handful of people still did uh, conglomerate and play together and had a nice kind of group social experience. So yeah. um, always while something to do on Discord. Else, we played while wondering where everyone else was. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, Bruce Moore has joined us. Hey, Bruce, how are you? Unmute. Hey, I'm good. And good to see you. Hey, Bruce, good I'm hearing you in both headphones now. Yes, yes. I've, <laughs> I actually had to buy something to allow me to do that. All right. No, I didn't, but it, yeah. Yeah, I've got it all figured out now. It's Beauty. Beauty, eh? Yeah. Um, so, Bruce, I have teased now twice the fact we want to try to do this private viewing party. Do you want to mention that? And maybe we can start to solidify a few things. But I mentioned it on our After Dark two weeks ago. I mentioned okay, it on the show okay, yesterday. Yeah. So I'm trying to start to unofficially raise public awareness that we want to do this. We need to kind of formalize when we want to do it. But right. uh, you want to just kind of run through what so you and I spoke so we're about? Talk, we're talking about a, a, a screening of Coco Forever. The uh, how, I can't even remember how many episodes there are now. But uh, alt-reality... Alt uh, I it's a multimedia radio drama thing. It's about well, what if Tandy won. It's kind of like a Back to the Future kind of idea, starring many of uh, 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 luminaries in the Coco community as themselves. Uh, some of them are on the panel right now. Some of them are actually quite good at it, <laughs> being themselves. Um, yeah, and we're talking about doing a... Uh, sorry, I wasn't sure I was going to be kind of got me on the spot here, but doing another live screening with, with the host. We did this once before. It was an awful lot of fun. I imagine we've forgotten most of most of it <laughs> since then. It'd be a great time to introduce it to, uh, you know, the folks over the last couple of years who don't really know about right. forever. And, um, you know, and Stevie, since we last talked, um, I, I, I got thinking about the potential of actually making In Time for Coco Fest um, another episode of that. Ooh. And having something, yeah, something, well, anyway, it's rattling around in my head, but there could be something that actually makes, extends the story somewhat. And, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll just, uh, so I still, I still rattling around in my head right now. We'll see, uh, we'll see if it pops out or not, but, uh, I got ideas. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That'd be cool. Some value you know, kind of, kind of content. like they've just done a new Matrix movie, right? Right, right. Like, it like better be better like, than that. Which I haven't seen yet, <laughs> so I, you know. I <laughs> but the idea that somehow its story didn't end, it continues in some sort of way. So, um, yeah, there might actually be new Coco Forever content in the near future. Okay. Now, with that, so do you want to postpone the private screening to make it where it would include that content, or can that be a post-screening thing? Yeah, good question. Um, need to think about that a bit more. And we can talk about that a bit more uh, okay. offline. Okay. Or yeah. in celebration of the unveiling of the new card. Yes, that's true, yeah. too. Could yeah. do it that way, too. But we were going to do this as kind of like a private screening. So it would not be streamed. And only right. the people who wanted to participate in it would be there. And the idea would be to, number one, experience the whole thing in all of its mixed media glory, but also have all the yeah. cast and crew there to yeah. talk about it. Um, like we did last time. 
Um, yeah. And then it would be, I think we had talked about where basically people could buy a ticket, so to speak, and name your own price for the event. And then once once people got their ticket and we just did it, and, 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 and it would be a shared experience for those who bought the ticket to be part of the screening, and that would be it, right? Is that mm-hmm. still kind of mm-hmm. the plan? Um, well, that's a plan thus far. Um, okay. Another... Yeah, I really got to think over this new episode idea because if if I bring in a new episode, I wonder if it might be fun to do at post fest. Okay. Post Coco Fest. Okay. Okay. And um, show up with. I'm just kind of looking. I mean, you guys give me some feedback on this, but I was. Uh, you can get these um, USB sticks that mm-hmm. look like cassettes. Yes. Yes, I have one. <laughs> and I was thinking, what if I put all the stuff on there? Right. Plus the new episode. Okay, and then sold that as an item. And for... presented that at Coco Fest as a tangible yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. And then maybe we could all have this. Okay. Okay. Or, or I don't know. See that maybe would that be giving it away then? If you then if you had this the the the, the live party. Well, the live party is always going to be a private party, right? Not everybody's going to be able to do that. But um, true. It's yeah. a it's a great it's a great production. And it's worth listening to and experiencing. Um, so just so just to mention some of the things you've talked about. So there's been a new Matrix movie, which is not necessarily a reboot, but kind of a continuation idea, right? Mm. There's a lot going on in cinema right now playing with the idea of the multiverse, right? So we had the uh, yes. Spider-Man multiverse. We're getting ready to have a Doctor Strange multiverse. There's going to be well, a Flashpoint multiverse. Coco Forever is multiverse. totally a multiverse yes. idea, right? So, totally so you're already yeah. talking about a kind of possible Back to the Future where... The future's not changed too much, but it's a little bit better. You know, like Marty ends up with the with the pickup truck, things like that. You know, that's so, right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And because you're dealing with time, this episode could take place anywhere in the middle of, before, or after. And I just think you've set up this landscape where there really aren't that many rules when we're talking about time travel and alternate reality. So I think you've got so much freedom on how you want to do this yeah. bonus episode. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of room there, and. Um and if uh, if I can kind of get this rolling, uh, I'll definitely want to be calling on uh, uh, some more voice talent. Right, right. And so we're going to have to imply some uh, some uh, c- computer graphics and some CGI to digitally de-age us now since we've all gotten so much older since we originally recorded all this right now. So, <laughs> so can you yeah, but what if it jumps quilt? actually literally into the future? Oh, into the you present, know? right? You know, past us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it could jump future. past us, right? The future so. past us. Oh, my God. But, you know, it's we so... We should f- be digitally aged. <laughs> yeah, digitally aged, right? Yeah. Yeah, some some of us to. have a some of us have a good analog head start on that already. So, <laughs> Ron, you had a comment, or so a prequel would would work or couldn't work or in the future or in the past. <laughs> I don't know. However, you say that. <clears throat> Could a prequel work? You know, at, at a point in which you start your show, the thing, can you go backwards? Maybe not. Well, again, because you we're dealing off with another timeline, we're you totally, you totally could. Yeah, you totally could do that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That absolutely. And then you have to, then you end up reinterpreting the whole thing based right. on that. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of possibilities here. Right. When but the, deal- the thing that I find particularly fun about this is is imagining. Well, we've got what we've got with the Coco community, and it's a lot of fun. And imagine the what if this, what if that. We always talk about that stuff. Right. What What if the uh, you know the 
uh, Coco three. What if the Coco four came out or, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. You can throw all that kind of stuff in there and, and, and then follow it to its, its illogical conclusions. And, and it's fun to have people in the community show up in this, these, uh, this multiverse, right. Playing right. themselves in different roles. And, uh, it's, it's pretty fun. Like I, I hadn't, I should count, but they, we had, we had a, we had a lot of people show up in Coco forever that are, you know, around right now. Right, right. And yeah. um, you've had a few suggestions yeah. in chat already too. Um, oh, yeah? Mark Siegel himself said maybe the deluxe Coco was actually sold. Right. Yeah. And then uh, Exile in Paradise, Mr. Alan Murphy there. MC10 forever. The Coco was eclipsed by the MC10. Jim Gary deposes President Adams. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, could you imagine where you, you end up in a situation where you're actually presented with a bunch of forks of reality and you have to pick one? Right. <laughs> you could actually line up a bunch of these. Which one? Oh, okay, I better shut up before I. Right. <laughs> these you, are great ideas. Discover, I like it. You discover the uh, Coco Chew had a 256 color mode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mark Siegel. Mark Siegel would be, uh, yeah, let's get him in on that. <laughs> Yeah, Mark, hey Mark, if, if, if you're you interested in joining in on that one, we'd love to have you on that. Yeah, just say, yeah, maybe, uh, Mark, you want to appear in this as, as you know, a version of yourself? We had Rick Adams, but we, we have to change everybody's name just a little bit. The names so he was Dick changed. Adams. In, yeah, their names were changed to protect the guilty. All right, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, President Dick Adams was uh, Rick Adams. Yeah. Stop and, right and, bar. And, and, and who was... Uh, uh, I think it was Steve Bork, right? Is oh, yeah, name? Steve Bork. I can't, remember, we, I can't remember the names of gay people. Or I just remember you saying you're waiting for the next episode to see whose name was going to be mangled next. Right. <laughs> well, Grant, Grant Leedy makes an appearance, actually, as Greg. Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Which he Runs still does to the stay hallway. on the show. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, see, now, but see, now we can... The, the great thing is when you're dealing with this timeline, we can have little mini episodes that take place in between things like we got to have an elevator episode uh you know <laughs> we're gonna have a nightmare highway episode and an elevator oh my episode goodness. there's so many things you can do at this point point. and here yeah. i was thinking of just doing one episode but oh Jay so jason says we could call you b deuce b drew s'more <laughs> or no b drew elevators maybe. no no elevators <laughs> so, so, David says no so, elevators. so the nightmare highway needs to weave its way into there the uh, you know oh my gosh there's, so there, there's three other people that get to vote on the elevator so don't take <laughs> <laughs> stuck in an elevator okay this is uh, i'm glad we're talking about this because there's an awful boy there's a lot of potential oh, this is here. a whole oh, pitch session here we're brainstorming well, I, we're spitballing so this is called was, feature was, creep yeah, the I was thinking of one episode, of but there's there's potential for like a almost a whole new show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got a request to get Samuel Gimes in there somehow. <laughs> I mean, you could have a whole timeline with with COVID going in there too, just to bring it up to modern oh, yeah. times too. It's a whole kinds of things. Well, you know, I you know I know when Stevie was uh, doing his his improv in the the early episodes there, he's talking about you got. 
you just got started talking about the Russian mafia or something, right? Yeah, some yeah, sort of weird yeah, thing did, going on and, there. And, and was even talking about, you know, because I was just riffing on like how YouTube would want to copyright anything and other copywriting sounds, but I, right. I even predicted they might copyright smells at some point in time if we had smell vision on YouTube, you know? So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I was just kind of riffing on that, you know, copy bots want to go after everything, you know? So Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, anyway, so yeah, yeah. Uh. Sorry you've been denied because we detected Chanel number five in the background. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could have a color computer use the WeFax program to predict the heat. Uh oh, Ron said WeFax. <laughs> Everybody take a drink. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's officially after dark. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then I guess we need to bring in the ESP8266-01. <laughs> and then we have a request from Mick Moroda, works at Tandy, and his designer says his name three times. And, he, and if you, the designer says his name three times, he comes up with a new idea. <laughs> Mick Moroda, Mick Moroda, Mick Moroda. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad we're recording this. I'm going to have to go through and, and take note of all the ideas. <laughs> see, if, see if any of it coalesces. Yeah, there's so many. Into, into something, because uh, you know the story. The story ends, uh, you know, right now it ends on a a, a slightly uh, better version. Well, maybe even a lot better version of multiverse version. But um, uh, well, okay, yeah, I better not say anymore. I don't okay, wanna, right. I don't want to wreck. I don't want to wreck anything. <laughs> well, this is a good time for somebody who has not experienced the Coco Forever to, to go get a copy from CocoForever.gracenote.ca, mm. right? From DeBruce Moore's yeah, website. Yeah. It is an augmented reality thing. It's got media, it's got audio content, it's got um, Coco Choose Your Own Adventure style content, it's got some PDF content and JPEG content, some video content. So it's got multimedia. It is a very well produced story. Uh, it's a great experience. Experience it on your own and stay tuned for a date where we can have a private screening party where we can experience it together, including the cast and crew, and dare I say loosely using air quotes, talent that was involved in this. So, <laughs> can I, can I add, That's a great wrap up. Can I just add one more thing here, Stevie? Sure thing, there. I, I had someone, um, uh, 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 Peter, I won't give his last name in case he doesn't want to be. <laughs> Pumpkin eater? Peter, Peter um, listened to Coco Forever not that long ago, okay. and uh, he sent he sent me an email which I posted in Discord. But I, maybe this is just worth reading out here. He says um, just a week ago I finished with Coco Forever, and but he got it more. He says now I bought it more than a month ago, and it all it, it only lasts about two hours. So I must be a slow listener, right? He says well. Have you ever read a book and didn't want it to end? That's exactly what happened to me with Coco Forever. I listened to it all but the last episode, then I went back to the beginning and listened again, and then did it again before I finished it. Wow. Um, and then he uh, uh, says a bunch of other nice things about it, but at the end he goes, um, to top it all off, the atmosphere of the whole thing reminded me of the feeling I used to have watching Star Trek The Next Generation every weekend, uh, every evening after work in the early 90s. So um, wow, that's high if praise. If you feel like doing this again in the future, you, you know, let me know. Like I'm, I'm in, right? So wow, uh, that that Peter's comment encouraged me to think about extending this a bit. And, okay, you know, it, it it can be certainly be a community 
and it always I always want it to be a, a community inclusive thing. Yeah, that's what we're here to have fun, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So here we are. And that's high praise, especially when you throw in a TNG uh, analogy. <laughs> when you're compared to the next generation, that's 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 extremely high praise. Mm. Um, good stuff. Good stuff. But all of your stuff, Bruce, just to give you another pat on the back, everything you've done has been outside of the box, very creative, very thoughtful, very well produced and, and, and packaged, like Forest of Doom, having the manual, having the soundtrack, you know, Coco Forever being another one. So there's just so many things you've done that have just been these super, you know, creative, uh, well produced <laughs> things, you know, so. Well, then let me also say that I'm hoping to have something new and super to show at the fest this spring. All right. Yeah, Beauty. it's it's and 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 um, I'm getting, you know, significant help from various people in the community. And uh, I'm making a point of I started making a list of all the places, places where I've gained information and people who've helped me with stuff, because I want to make sure I acknowledge everybody who uh, who's, you know, helped me put these things together. So. Right. I imagine that list is starting to grow because there's so many people out there who do that. It's easy to forget and and even take easy, for granted yeah. that we've got so many people who help out in so many different ways. Well, know, I, just, so. I just had uh, someone just I was looking for a way to detect the Coco STC and someone said, well, talk to uh, talk to uh, Pauli Fiscarelli. He might not. So he said, oh, yeah, here, let me look into this. Here's the long version. And here I can press it down into uh, two lines of basic. It's like, holy crap. Thank you, man. Like, it was just and he just hands it to me. And it's like, that's fabulous. You know, helping each other right, create right. new content. It's awesome. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. All right. Well, I'm glad you popped in. So mm -hmm. good stuff. So we just did the um, Game On um, results. We know what the game is next week. We have more Game On news and whatnot, what have you. Do we want to maybe run a, a couple of commercial breaks before we get into the Game On news and regular news? Does that sound good for everybody? Sure. Sounds good to me. Sure. I can get a copy. All right. So we're going to run some spots. You're going to be able to hang out, Bruce, or you got... Places to be? You're muted. Sorry, no, I do have to run top of the hour, so I'll, All right, I'll, I'll I'm, glad, I'm glad you could stop by. It's good seeing you. Yeah. All right, so we're going to run some breaks here, and we'll be back, kids, after these words. Hi, Retro Tech Heads. Data Soup here. You're watching Coco Talk the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer and proudly Patreon-sponsored by RetroTechTime.com. Coco Talk would like to thank the patrons who sponsor our program, so our heartfelt gratitude goes out to Alan Huffman, Alan Murphy, Blair Ledoux, Bowden Aaron, Brendan Donahue, Brian Weasler, Brian Walsh, Karen Anscombe, D. Bruce Moore, Daddy Burrito, Daniel Williams, Diego, Eric Canales, Glenn Hewlett, Graham Vebke, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Jason Downs, Jay Style, Ken Reichard, Malfunk, Michael Pitsley, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Paul Thayer, Retro Tech Time, Rick Eulin, Rob Inman, Rocky Hill, Stephen Wagner, Steve Batson, Steve Rasmussen, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy. The Backyard Shed Gang, Tim Thayer, Tom C., Tom Gunderson, Tom Heron, Tom S., Tony C., and William Athing. Thank you ever so much, patrons. 
it's time for everyone's favorite segment, Who's New to Discord This Week? Brad. My name is Brad, and I am into retro Tandy computers. I started computing in 1981 on a Coco 1 and currently own a Coco 2 and 3. X. Sept. Hi all. I'm Matt, and the very first home computer I ever experienced was a Coco 2, that my mom had picked up from a garage sale secondhand. I have a Coco 3 and quite a few accessories that I've been enjoying. Marlon Lee. My name is Marlon. I got my first Coco on April 1st, 1982, and my Coco 3 as soon as they were available. Voltsy. Hello everyone, my name is Luke. I only recently got into the world of Coco computers, I was given a Coco 2 and I have been having a lot of fun playing around with it. Geiger 9. Hey, my name is Matt. I like 8 and 16-bit game consoles as well as 16 and 32-bit computers. I had my first computer at 5 years old and it was a Tandy 1000 so I missed out on the 8-bit computers. Zyson. My name is James. I'm interested in the fourth programming language. I am also interested in learning more about the Nitro S9 operating system, as well as legacy 68K and OSK systems. Lyric. Hello, Lance from Missouri. Coco 2 and 3 user from way back, still have a working Coco 3 and doing a lot of emulator stuff. Joker. Hi, my name is Troy. I'm pretty much into all retro computing platforms. I joined to learn a bit more about the Coco platform itself, and dev tools while keeping up to date on other new and interesting developments. Iridian. Hi, I am Alex. I have a Coco 64K and some retro game systems I am setting up at home. I am looking forward to getting the modem for the Coco working and want to achieve a working Coco on my HDMI setup. Pichak now. Hi all. I'm Peter. I have a whole pile of vintage stuff, relevant here is a Coco 2, 3, and FPGA. Back in the day I was a Model 3 and 4 user and just observed the Coco from afar. The Dude. My real name is Matt, and I am from Arkansas, USA. Hope to learn more about the Coco as this will be my first. Loving it so far. The previous bios were edited for time's sake. Thanks to, Melly. Boysontech. Paul Fiscarelli, Eric Canales, Terry Stagey, and the Coca Talk patrons for boosting the server. Please consider joining Discord and visiting the welcome section to read these bios in full and see what the community has to offer. At discord.cocatalk.live. All right. How do you like that? We are catching up on who's new to Discord. That's um, quite a few. Quite a few, including the dude. I love that name, the dude. And Marlon Lee joined us recently. And um, we yeah, do we have to try to get Marlon on the show. I'd love to get him and Atari Leaf on the same time because they're kind of the original YouTube video game players way before you or me or anybody else did any YouTube videos. Absolutely. Back when YouTube was good before all these <laughs> losers came and took it over, right? So um, we do have a little teaser promo sizzle reel um, about some upcoming guests. Um, Curtis has mentioned this on the Game On News several times, but... That guy who plays Daggereth, like that idiot from the book, Tim Lindner, he does a thing with his sister called Sibling Rivalries, and they play games together, and 
we're going to have them on as a guest. So we're going to run that spot. You ready? This is the world premiere of the Tim and AJ uh, teaser video. You guys ready for this? Go for it. All right, here we go. something fun on March 19th? Is it more fun than playing video games with you? A little. No. <laughs> no! <laughs> Just kidding. Of course I want to do something fun. We're going to be on an interview show. Ooh, is it going to be Ryan Reynolds interviewing us? It's going to be L. Curtis Boyle. And they're both Canadian. <laughs> I love L. Curtis Boyle. Count me in. So on March 19th, tune in to the Coco Talk podcast on YouTube at 1 p.m. And you can find out about our show, Sibling Rivalry, and get all the hot and juicy details. Why is it always juicy? Oh, they went there with the coconuts. I love it. Oh. Yeah. Follow up to last week's interview. More oh, coconuts. They went there with the coconuts. Why is it always juicy? Oh, that is so good. Oh, and so <laughs> by the way, be a fun show, just like last week's show, I think. Yeah. Um, hold on. Yes, uh, my microphone's coming in kind of hot. I think. But yeah, so Tim was mentioning that was uh, that was a reveal because I don't think AJ has been on camera in any of nope. their uh, the videos they've done on YouTube. So um, yeah, so that's cool. And then we'll which have, one was AJ? <laughs> one with the long hair. <laughs> uh, okay. oh, you're right. Yes. Oh my. Oh my. Now, for uh, those who have not seen the show, I will mention the sibling rivalry show is basically the two of them playing video games together, old retro games together, usually combatively, sometimes cooperative, but they have to be two-player games, basically. It's not like take turns. And they cover machines other than the Coco, but since they both grew up a bit with the Coco, there's quite a few Coco games on there. They also do in television, which is another one they had back in the day, and they've done some others too. So it, it won't be strictly Coco-related, but they've had a fair bit of Coco content, and it's just a fun show where they you know start blaming each other for screwing each other up in the game, et cetera. So it's, it's, it's true sibling rivalry. It's good stuff. Ah, and the Taylor and Amy show just chimed in saying, we started a coconut trend, and absolutely you <laughs> did. You did. I believe we should, everyone should drink. All beverages should be consumed via coconuts from this day forth. Let's put this forth as a decree. And hence to, stone. hence to four, that's what it shall be. And failing an actual coconut, coconut rum paralyzer is pretty good, so I will mention that. Mmm. All right. Well, we're back, continuing the game on with some game on news. Al Curtis Boyle, have you procured any gaming news for us this week? A little bit. So uh, there's be some stuff here I'll be talking with Ken about. So Ken, just to prep you, because <laughs> I never worry about this kind of stuff. Oh yeah, you guys can see that. Sir, yes, sir. Update on <clears throat> Meyer Mare. Yeah, so Meyer Mare is one of the AGD games. And now this is the one that I mentioned last week that Pear actually had a big you know, multi-paragraph write-up on because it's one that actually expanded the engine beyond its normal capabilities. Okay. And this was also expanded the one on the Spectrum itself beyond its capabilities. So it was like 36 ML subroutines for sounds and stuff. So you had a lot of extra stuff here. And I had, actually hadn't seen it running. I just read this. Um, 
So Ken and uh, Steve Bamford have both actually played and, and done some videos, and I'll be showing that a little bit later in the show. But uh, one thing that both of them also discovered, there was a bug with the way the joysticks were being read. And Ken, you hit this when you were trying to play it, I know. Yep. And Steve Bamford actually directly contacted Para and, and mentioned that he'd hit the exact same thing, that the joystick was not working. And, and what was the behavior it was giving? It was like you push the button and you move left. Yeah, the fire button moved you to the left, otherwise nothing. <laughs> Yeah, which definitely made it a bit difficult to play. <laughs> but the keyboard still worked even if you chose joysticks, so. Yeah. So anyway, this is a post on the uh, World of Dragon archive forums here from Para saying, Steve Bamford has found a bug in the control menu for the joystick didn't work properly at all. Thanks for spotting that one. So he said he also has added a third option to be able to redefine the keys. But this means the standard AGD function called control menu is no more since it, because it only accepts two choices. Mm. Um, he's also got it so you can now break out of the tune player at the beginning, like it plays a bit of a theme song and you had to basically wait till it's finished. Now he's got it so if you tap the break key, you can break out of it, let him wait for it. So there's an updated version of, of uh, Meyer Mare now available for download that fixes those bugs and then adds in the being able to exit the, uh, the song. I still would like somebody, anybody listening to this who's got access to the Super Sprite FM Plus board. I mean, you can do it on the emulator, I guess, if you if it's the easiest way for you to record. But I'd love to see a recording what that actually looks like with the sound and the color graphics. But I would really, really love to see it running on real hardware with a real board, um, just to show people what that board's capable of. Because it looks to be a showpiece game for it. So, I mean, that's available for download. And then next up, game pack number 53. And uh, this is the very last pack they could build in six games is how they put it. So they finally have caught up all the ones that have been released since his first batch came out a couple years back. This actually breaks the 300 game barrier too. So now we have over 300 HD converted games that run on the Dragon and the Coco. So I will go through the ones here. Uh, the first one is called uh, Donkey Kong Reloaded Again. Actually, I guess like he did in a different order than he listed here. So the, the man with the gold joysticks, this is kind of a cute picture here and actually he appears on the right here throughout the game other than this it, it looks to be very much you know jets at willie manic minor style even even with a like toilet is that lid. the commodore logo over there the little c yep, <laughs> yep. and is the that a toilet looks... is that a toilet down there yeah that's from was it manic minor has the toilets or is it and so is the goal yeah. to get the commodore in the toilet where it belongs or what <laughs> um... <laughs> if it's not it should be that's right um... <laughs> Anyway, I like the fact that they took an inverse image of this guy and put him actually in here for part of your score identification. And the little joystick, I think the joystick says hype. Hype, not sure okay. what that means. Been a couple screenshots from that one. Yeah, cute. And deals with pie too. So yeah, live and let pie. Okay, <laughs> I like pie. This this has got as bad puns as Fangman does. As okay. And dragon symbols there. Yes. So they've oh, seemed to take so, a lot oh, of so they have different symbols from the different computer systems. I'm liking it. Yes. Cool. Yeah, truly retro. And you'll notice there's no toilets on this screen because the dragon. No, yes, because really it's the there. dragon. That's right. <laughs> okay, so this is the Donkey Kong Reload Reloaded one. Okay, so how Reloaded high again or something can like that, you Jeff. get? Okay. So here we see Mario down there on the bottom, and we've got some barrels and some fire. The graphics look pretty good. You can even in black and white, you can kind of tell what what's going on here. Yeah. Now, because this is using the actual AGD engine, it doesn't have scrolling and stuff. So obviously, they just switch screens, and they've definitely zoomed the graphics up a bit, so everything's larger. So you're not seeing as much of the yeah, computers and that's fine. Normal. And that's fine. It but works. that means the gameplay is going to be a fair bit different too. So I'm really curious, you know, how this one actually plays. 
That's an interesting approach. Instead of seeing the whole playing field on one screen, you're kind of panning through it. Yeah, that yeah. is interesting. An interesting approach. So, yeah, if, if some people want to actually go through some of these AGD games, I know, Ken, you actually have gone through a few of them yourself now, and you've got a mm -hmm. few favorites you picked out in your video will be coming to later. But I would love to see what other people's favorites are and then maybe make some of these, you know, the, the game on challenge at some point here. To... That's what I'm looking through it for. Yeah. How, how far have you gotten out of the 303 that are in there so far? Oh, I've tried like maybe 20, 25 of them. <laughs> got, a, got a little bit of waste. You're, I do. Yeah. And you're off to a start. You got to start somewhere, right? Maybe just do them all in a row. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh, there we got fire. Yeah, one way. One way. Screens. That's new. That's not in you know Donkey Kong. Okay. Forward, forward to the past. To this the... almost looks like Coco Forever here. Like yeah, it's right. Kind of almost forward the same logo. The so. Okay, it looks like a Dalek down there with its plunger and everything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I think it could be a one that's officially too. Clock. No idea what's going on there, but it's probably worth looking deeper, deeper into, into the, the vortex. vortex. That could be any <laughs> one of our episodes. Um, <laughs> I, I would call our episodes rock bottom. <laughs> Mabus Mania. Is that the one that, that they had to patch or no? That's it. No, that was um, Mayor. Okay, Mayor. Okay, Mabus Mania. All right. What the hell is going on there? It looks nothing like the freaking redneck they have on the title page there. Yeah, there's um, a fail on a keyboard or something. Ah, okay. That might be a Commodore booting. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Here they got a Game Boy with a Pong game playing. Okay, on. yeah, neat. Floppy drive. This definitely seems to be retro computer oriented yes, again. Yes, absolutely. Which is cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, Commodore jokes aside, actually, I really like this stuff where they put yeah, in all the. Yeah, I do. I do like that. Cool. I had an idea to do something like that too, where you make a, like a Space Invaders style game, but your spaceships and your enemies are like Atari logos and Commodore logos and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, somebody I mean, did do that a long time ago, but I don't know what happened to it. It was a project underway, but mm. I don't know if it ever got finished. Okay, cool. Keep going. Keep going. What is this? Mega Manic Manic Mulholland. Mulholland. Yeah, that looks like a Sega logo uh, for like a mega drive cartridge yeah okay. now i will mention one thing paris said he got special permission for these sloney soft ones so i don't know if these are normally commercial bgd mm. games as opposed to freeware i don't know why he needed special permission from it but uh he did yeah, get the permission from it. there's, so. there's maybe, multiple maybe games by the maybe same. it's the thing where you they would prefer you get it from the source rather than it being distributed so maybe he got permission to distribute it oh, that as could part be. of a package you know or collection did you, Mark, were you saying something like you know what's going on there? Oh, no, just uh, it says copyright 2021, so they're brand new, obviously. Yeah, mo yeah a lot of yeah. these are. Oh, it's a picture of David Lynn right there. That's cool. And that was at a little cop on a... Okay, on a little scooter scooter vehicle of some form. Okay, interesting. Well, I like this level. Well, this is new. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing I have to say. All the almost all the AGD games have named levels, which is something I really like. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, a lot of them have a good tongue-in-cheek humor in them too, which is great. We never really got that here, or in North America in general, to be honest. I mean, that was something that seemed. Although Fangman did a pretty game. good job with that. Yeah. Monty's last strike. No idea what the hell's going on there. Looks like a bear, and there's other things That's, going on there. Where's Turtle? Monty know. Mole is uh, oh, a mole. character from 
I think Spectrum Games. Hmm. Monty Mole. Okay. Kind of like Chuck or uh, Chucky Cuthbert. Egg or Sonic the Hedgehog and Monty the Mole, huh? Yeah. So yeah, that's the latest, and it will be probably the last pack for a while. Now, the way he worded it, so this is the last six game pack. I don't know if that means he's got a few games left that just doesn't make a full six that he could still put out, or if he's actually totally caught up now and now he'll wait until a, a whole new batch of them comes out and then issue some more updates. But that does take us officially over the 300 game market. I think it's 303 total now. That's neat. And of course, he's still making, uh, you know, the Super Sprite FM Plus versions of, of some of these. I think he's got four, six, or something like that already of those. Uh, or maybe closer to a dozen now, I think. Um, so any of you that have that board or are interested in getting it, there's definitely enhanced graphics, sound, music, sound effects, everything else there that uh, will run on Coco 1, 2, or Dragon, or Coco 3. That board works with them all, so... And hopefully we'll get some of these in the future here once Ken you know, gets a chance to go through a whole bunch of them and pick a couple of favorites. Uh, Ken, did you want suggestions from the audience from anybody that uh, may have? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So that's a public uh, request uh, from Ken. Yeah, suggestions on these games or other games. I am willing to take any suggestions people have. Okay. I think I suggested Space Race, didn't I? You did. I did? Okay. I'm glad the bribe came through. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, next up after that. So Paul Shoemaker's been working on his new uh, Coco 3 freestyle game that we showed before. But he's also simultaneously working on a Coco 1-2 dragon-friendly version of it, which means no artifact in colors. It'll use a standard, you know, P-Mode 3 color set. And he put out two videos, one at the beginning of the week where he showed the animated title screen. And then this one here, which shows that again, but it also shows some actual dealing of cards and, and being able to move around a select card. So I'm going to play just the second one because it's actually basically got everything combined into one here. And uh, well, hopefully you'll be able to hear. Let me know if you can hear the sound effects. Okay. Yeah. You can turn it up a little bit. It's not terribly loud. Yeah, that's cool. And with only four colors, we've got everything we need. We've got a neutral background. We've got the card face, which is yellow. And then we've got, in order to represent the black and red suites, we've got blue and red. So the colors yep. serve the purpose of a card game perfectly with this limited uh, palette. Yeah, and, and a limited resolution. This is only yeah. 128 by 192. Yeah, no, really good. Really, really good. No, actually, I, I should maybe, maybe I'll rephrase that. I'm not sure if this is 128 by 192. This might even be 128 by 96. I'm just looking like at the P-mode one pixels vertically. If that's the case, if he's making it a 128 by 96, that's the res of the 16 color mode on the Coco VGA. So we might translate these to 16 color, but it's also a mode that will work on the MC10. Okay. So maybe he's holding out to be able to have a port of that done as well. I'm not sure. Okay. Paul, if you're out there and you want to let us know, please do. That's a that is beauty and it's total beauty. And also, once again, to reiterate what, he, what we said when we mentioned his Coco Three version, this is the first time he's attempted a game completely in the semi language with no basic. Yeah. So that's pretty pretty good stuff to get this far along in the project oh, already absolutely. in the span of like two weeks, and he's doing multiple versions at the same time. Yeah. He's a machine. Yeah, he's going to be the Jim Gary of the card playing Coco World. Oh yeah. Uh, here we got Rick Adams. He fixed some, some more bugs he found in, how do you pronounce this, Kokodal? Sure, we'll go with that. 
So uh, he had a couple of bugs here, and I actually mentioned in the comments, uh, problems with the word validation, the alphabet guide. I think it wasn't a complete bug. It only it only reached it if you hit the end of the word table, it skipped a word or two or something. I think it was the technical explanation. But basically, uh, once my work frees up here, <clears throat> I'm probably about three or four bug fix revisions and, and revisions, I should say, because he's done some updates that are not bug related. Uh, since I did the nitrosine versions, I'll try to catch it up at that point. So I'm kind of glad I held off because there's been so many updates, you know, almost every week there's been updates to it. So I can do it all in one shot rather than having to do it constantly. But it's a fun little game. I don't know if you, I mean, you played it. I know, Stevie, you mentioned it was a game you probably would never have played the the big popular public version. Yeah, yeah, I would, yeah. But once it's on the Coco, now it's interesting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and to be honest, I was the same way. I'd never played the original either. So anyway, that's available for download on Facebook right now. It should be up on the archive fairly soon. If it isn't already, I didn't check this morning because uh, he basically keeps it up to date on both. And you can also get directly from his GitHub here. Link provided in the Facebook posting. If you don't go on Facebook in this to get this, you can actually just go on Discord. And uh, I think Rick posted the direct link to his GitHub in there as well. And it's basic, totally basic, no machine language. It's uh, source code, of course, is included. It's not you know, copy protected in any way. So feel free to fiddle with it. Oh, Next up, Erico Montero has been uh, working on a game that originally started as the 1K Space Invaders from the ZX or ZX81, I think was the original. And he's kind of gone and just, you know, trashed the whole 1K thing because now he's really expanded the game. He's been doing a lot of what he's famous for, a lot of these low-res animations that just look awesome. So he's got some up here that are just new animated GIFs showing how, how it builds a, a monster getting bigger. And then he's got some actual gameplay footage a little bit later. So I'll show you each of these just to give you a quick little. Yeah, I was really impressed with this. These are the different configurations of the uh, bosses. And how it's like building out in stages. How it kind of grows and evolves. Yeah. And then he's got this one here. And make it make it bigger if you can. I'll try. Sometimes that works. Okay. Yeah, we can see it. Oh, he can move the ship, and he's got a flame beneath the ship. Yeah, I'm just gonna restart in high depth here because it's kind of blurry. I'm assuming he's using ML subroutines for the sound here of some sort, because that's definitely not a play command or sound command. Or yeah, neither that or a super fast play command. There it is. Ugh, it's more. Oh, look at that evil face. Ooh, it's shooting at you. It's it's amazing what he's able to accomplish in such a limited res. Yeah. I mean, I wrote my fair share of basic games back in the early eighties. I Ooh, never got it's like lightning bolts, and now it's yeah. like starting to morph above its head. Lightning bolts and laser beams. And he's beams. even got a scramble type map in the upper left corner. I believe that greater than sign is actually your position in the map and each plus mm. is a checkpoint or something. Okay, what did he do there? Did he just shoot it in the chin? Seems very biological, you know, very organic looking. I don't know what that red square in the chin means. Like if, he's, if that was a direct hit and it was scored on it. I'm not sure. But it's super cool. That lightning cool. effect's pretty cool. Yeah, and now we got some claws coming up from underneath or something. I don't know if that's... Yeah. yeah, I think he mentioned the claws in specific. And they're coming in on you now, too. They're like kind of closing in your space to move and dodge and stuff now, too. Yeah. 
This is like a mega epic boss. Which honestly, we don't have too many Cobra games that have the mega big bosses that became popular in the '90s, right? Or late '80s and '90s. We have a few, but not not too many. Man, the claw keeps creeping in. Man, now yeah, this is stellar. It's just things we've never seen before, you know. And I think that the color of your ship is reflecting how damaged you are. Ah, okay. Or it could be a weapon power-up or something. I'm not sure. We'll have to get Erico back on the show here to kind of yeah. discuss it in a bit more detail. That's cool. You want me to run it out or just No, that's fine. I think we've seen enough. Okay. We get the point here. It is neat. It is neat. Good job, Erico, as always. He never disappoints. And here it is building out again, the whole morph thing. Yeah, uh, just insane. Yeah, here he mentions the moving one claw. Yeah, it's got a very organic kind of mutation, biological feel to how it shape shifts and adds on to itself and everything. Very cool. Yeah. And like it doesn't just fire like any game I would have written back in the day would have done. It actually like has a little recoil animation, then shoots type thing. So right, and then, and then it's not just a straight shot. It's like a continual drawing and extension of the laser beam too so it's uh, very well rendered from an animation perspective yeah yeah good stuff absolutely yes and the last one here that uh, uh for the game section anyway this is uh meyer mare now this is the standard coco dragon one but it does have some of the um you know extra music and stuff here i'm not sure how loud this will be I think we'll just crank it up loud. and i'll tell you to turn it down if you need to that's good. Yeah, music player is good. Yep. That's definitely an expansion from the original AGD engine. Enter your choice. Oh, wow. I like the kind of pseudo. Okay, so the guy looks like the guy from Night Lore. A little bit with the helmet. Yeah. The play on it's very fast. Animation's very fast. So a little bit of a Tutankhamun feel to it. Oh, he just opened bit, up a yeah. chest to get a... Oh, but you can shoot in all four directions, which is better than Tutankhamun. Yeah, you can move in eight directions too, which is also... Now this is cool, man. The speed on it is really good. I bet you this would look amazing in those 16 colors. <laughs> what was your impression, Ken? Because this is one you actually tried and played for your video, too. So. Uh, yeah, I really liked it. It. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't read the instructions on it or anything, so I wasn't... Good man. 100% sure what I was <laughs> True doing. Stevie fashion. Yeah. Directions? Screw that. <laughs> <laughs> it took a little figuring out how to do, how to play it, but... Especially with your joystick issue, you had the original buggy version. So. Yeah, so I was just using the keyboard. So you gotta get Although some... the keyboard actually works really good because you can double press to go uh, diagonal. Oh, you got different types of shots. This, that shirt has kind of like an arc and gravity to it where it kind of goes up and then falls down. Yeah, yeah plus neat. you got your pickaxes you throw and they spin. and like There's a lot yeah. of thought went into this game. Yeah. Good variety. Yeah. There you did a shot that bounces. Yeah, a bouncing shot. And it's losing its momentum over time. And once again, it's name levels, of course, in the bottom. 
in the foothills of Mount Saul. So basically your objective in this game is that you got to find gems and take them down to a bottom of a volcano. Like a sacrifice or putting something at the altar or something or? Yeah, something like that. I don't know. I never actually got a gem down to the bottom of the volcano yet. So. <laughs> okay. Well, now that he's got the new fixed one that the joystick works properly, it might be a bit easier to play. So maybe that'll, that'll help. Yeah, it looks really good. But this is one I think, Ken, we should put in, in the list. Absolutely. In the this queue. seems like a really quality yeah. game here. Lots of uh, lots of screens, lots of different types of enemies and weapons. There's a lot going on here. I see you've got like a water gauge on the top. And you've also got evil gauge. What is the evil gauge? Okay, so the evil gauge, as you destroy gems, the evil gauge goes down. Ah. And your water gauge is basically your health gauge. You can find uh, water goblets or bottles of water within this thing like you are basically wandering around like a desert so okay and every time you get hit you lose water okay neat oh, i don't know. i like it i don't know if getting hit by one of the bad guys causes you to pee your pants or something but you lose <laughs> water so i one of the things i noticed is that because i i kind of took a after we talked about this last week how um ken did the updated sdc image i went ahead and did the same thing I got that new image, and I noticed there's an AGD folder in that image, and this image was updated just in February, I think. So I'm not sure how far down the rabbit hole that AGD goes from the SDC image, but I've got a bunch that I can start looking at. They're not the full color ones, but I've got mm -hmm. a bunch I can already start playing on on my Coco. So I'll, uh, if you want, uh, Ken, what what list are you going from? Are you going from the SDC one, or have you downloaded your own? I've uh, downloaded my own. So okay. But if you want to maybe tell me where you're at, maybe I can start at the end and work backwards. You start at the beginning and work uh, forward or something. I've actually mostly just been randomly going okay. through them. Okay, gotcha. Saying, hey, All right. well, if that you want looks me to like help you, I'll, I'll just I'll do I'll just randomly spot check stuff too. And if anything yeah. looks yeah. cool, I'll I'll pop well, it. I want to mention one thing, Stevie. Pair, Pair and Keys have actually done a really good job of doing screenshots of every single game as they've been getting released. So if you hit the their particular thread that's on the World of Dragon forums. Right. You can actually go through them all and just look at screenshots and everything really picks your fancy. Just it'll tell you it's in pack number seven or whatever and what the name of it is. So that might be a way for you to kind okay. of go through quickly. Rather than trying every single game, you might, you know, take a look for something that looks interesting to you. All right. But it's definitely worth spending a little time digging into. Yeah, that's, there's, there's that's a... also something I've been doing is just going through and looking at the screenshots and deciding, oh hey, that looks interesting. Like I know so when the, when the first batch of these came out a couple of years back, I did go through the first kind of a dozen or two dozen maybe like the first three to four packs and then i just couldn't keep up because he was like jamming out a pack every couple days type thing so i i kind of stopped doing that but uh i unfortunately i never got back into it after they you know after he had caught up the initial 200 game run i like how there's a pseudo isometric look to some of the tiles on the screen but it's still playing in a very you know four directional 2d-ish type thing so it's a nice hybrid look there um yeah. Yeah, this this is one that, like I said last week, he he really hyped up the fact that the author of this one went far beyond the original AGD design engine goals, both on the Spectrum version and on this conversion here. So right. there's a bunch of extra sound, there's extra animation, there's extra ways the screens work that does not normally happen in an AGD game. Okay. So this this one kind of pushed it. I don't know if this is like the start of a trend of a new engine that allows you to do a lot more. So we might see a lot more sophisticated games like this. Okay. Or if that was just this one guy who said, "Yeah, this is too limiting. I'm gonna I'm gonna muck with it a bit." All right. Well, good job. 
And that's the end of the game on news. Do you want me to just go straight in? Yeah, let right me here? just switch. Uh, let me switch over to the scene where we can just have the uh, proper scene. All right, so we are going to just switch over to the normal news scene now. We'll skip the news intro on there. And last, real quick, do we need another commercial break? Does anybody need a potty break, smoke break, snack break? No? No break needed? I'm All right, good. we'll just keep the news train rolling then, Curtis. You... Ron, Ron just shook his head, and Ron's our official Ron page. is the official potty break uh, barometer, so... If Ron yeah. doesn't need one, then we're all going to have to suck He'll it up. He'll wee-fax us if, if he yeah. has to go. Yeah, <laughs> wee-fax us if we need a potty break. Uh, can you wee-fax me a hall pass when I need to take my potty break, Ron? So. <laughs> 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 He's taking a drink. He just said wee-fax. There you go. All right, L. Curtis Boyle. Uh, okay, re- so the first one's a bit of a serious thing. Uh-oh. Not on uh, this show. Retro- Retro Rewind, of course, just came out with the diagnostic pack for the Coco last week. And, of course, he's got Coco SDC and he's got cap kits and 609 upgrades, etc. He's actually got a special going now from when he announced this up until March 18th that 10% of all sales will be donated to the Red Cross and the UNHRC to help the refugees fleeing the violence in Ukraine. So that's if, cool. if you haven't bought Thank some of these things that. yet and you're planning on getting them, if you can get it during this time period, that will send some money over and they really need it. So that was Very nice. Thank you, Frank. I can't really add to that. It's just like, yeah. it's a great, yeah. great cause. Okay, next up, Ken, this is your video. So I don't know. Do you want me to show a certain part of it? We already kind of covered the AGD stuff, but uh, basically this really. is your part two of the Coco SDC. So what, yeah. what, what did you talk about this round? Well, I just basically said that if uh, everything you downloaded on the Coco um, from the uh, Color Computer Archive wasn't enough programs for you, then you could download the big pack here and get another. Well, at the time it was two hundred and ninety-seven games, so yeah, which is already yeah. out of date. Yeah, right. <laughs> which is already out of date. But I did mention in it that they will be doing updates after this. And if you have the big pack downloaded, just download the six pack and add them to your collection. Okay, cool. Now, now you covered some other games in here too. Is there anything you wanted me to kind of highlight or talk um, about? Well, the so far my favorite one that I've uh, found. The Amethyst Dagger is kind of fun, but um, the next one is actually my favorite one. Bulletstorm? Yeah. Although I did discover, I don't know if you saw this, that uh, some of the games, at least on real hardware, don't load up properly. Um, So I think it's right here. Uh, When you try to do the thing, you get a syntax error in line 180. And line 180 is just a, it says RGB. Um, That's a Coco 3 specific command. I wonder if he's shutting off the Coco 3 ROMs, maybe, or something? I don't know, but it's interfering have, somehow. Have you reported it to Para? I have not. I don't know how to get a hold of him. So, But, uh, yeah, so it checks something, it peeks at something, and then it'll either skip that line or doesn't skip the line. If it doesn't skip the line, it uh, crashes. But if you re- remove line 180, it loads fine. Okay. Uh, remind me after the show, Ken. I've got, actually got Pear's email, or you can go on the Dragon Archive and send him a yeah, message. Yeah, I mean, all that thing should be doing is putting it in RGB mode to turn off the artifact colors. Yeah, yeah. But, because uh, Pear is, you know, lives in in Spain, and he's basically got dragons, and maybe a Coco mm-hmm. one too. I don't know if he has a Coco three. Like maybe that. I know if you if you type in RGB just from the command prompt, just at the OK it prompt, fine. it works. So, but I think yeah. maybe from basic, you might have to type in the word palette space rgb to get it to do that oh i'll try i'll try change i'll try that on uh one of them oh, that's kind of neat that. is that like a submarine thing i oh, know it's over a city no 
it's over a city. So okay, let's that's cool. Bullets. I, I like it's that. It's a storm. It's a uh, little, just a space shooter. You're fighting things over the city, and yeah. So yeah, the... just just remind me after. I'll send you his email, and you can contact him directly. Because I mean, he should know about these bugs. Like Steve Bamford yeah. reported the joystick bug in my yeah. yeah, and he'll definitely so, address them. Yeah, he's yeah. he's really good at fixing bugs. So he's fixed bugs in some of the Coco. There's the Meyer Meyer game. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure so if you just type palette RGB. palette space RGB and palette, it, it shouldn't space. be needed though. RGB works on its own. It does so, work from a command prompt, but maybe there's some bug. No, in it the works from programs too. I've done it, it program. That's weird. I'm wondering because he's he's basically using all 64Ks. If maybe it's it's mucking the Cocoa Three realm, so the Cocoa Three keywords aren't recognized or something. But I'm not sure. Hey, Nick Morota's in the live chat. Hey, Nick Morota, Nick Morota, Nick yeah, Morota. It's, it's it's not really doing anything else. It's this is a pre before it's even loading the program. So. Okay, because this is this is the loaded. loaded I wonder if it's just a weird tokenization. This. Maybe he used some type of cross compiler or something to generate the code, and this just didn't get tokenized right. So even one, one thing looks... you try, Ken, is maybe try doing an RGB command in a program of your own making and see if it works. And maybe it's the SDC auto launcher that's causing some weird issue. Okay. True. Could be a few different we, things. We should try to you know give pair some information there to yeah. fix that though, because. Because you hit this on a few games, too. It wasn't just like one or two, right? Yeah, it's all the newer games. Um, I'm not sure what pack forward. But... And you're doing this on an actual Coco 3, right? Yeah. Okay, so Coco 3 obviously recognizes that command. Yeah, and the AGD engine has gone through some updates as it's progressed over the years, too. Like the Coco version has had updates. So it's possible that he introduced a bug later on and just never went back to try some and and it, it even though the game wasn't designed to use the artifact colors, it does give it a little bit of like a tint of color, a hint of color somewhere, and it looks good. Yeah, it looks like little yeah. water. Yeah, it's a water here and there. Yeah, so. yeah. So that little tiny. Yeah, this actually this one doesn't look too bad in the. Uh, oh, what are you doing? Zooming colors. in there, getting all fancy on us. I just jump forward to where I die. Oh, so that evil I can play has one. Evil. Yeah, I was wondering. One. That's a hell of an effect for an ADD game. Wow. Yeah. Crossfade oh, and yeah. zoom. Oh yeah. Look and here's that. where I show how the joy was the joystick's not working properly. Ah. Good stuff. So, yeah. Really need to keep your joystick well working. Doesn't work unless you hit the fire button. And then you just run and left. You just you just walk <laughs> left. Genuinely walk left. That's all you can do. So anyway, if anybody here has tried this game and they're having this same problem, the update is available. There's a patched version now. Yeah. So. Hey, good stuff. So the uh, the whole video you can obviously watch on Ken's page. Um, and obviously, if you've been following along with the Coco SDC stuff here and you're new to the Coco SDC, you can watch part one as well, which tells you how to get the main archive of everything. And then now, of course, the AGD archives, et cetera. So a lot of I, tips I, and tricks there. Also, how to get around this RGB bug. And just from my uh, comments, I have... Uh, suckered a couple people into getting coco sdcs so there spread the word because <laughs> i know like uh retro rewind has had them in stock now since november and yeah. uh even ed's had a few batches that have come through in the last few months and got immediately sold out <laughs> so but i believe they're still in stock at retro rewind they might even still be in stock on on zipster zone i haven't, I haven't uh last time i checked zipster zone they were out of stock but again yeah because he had a batch of six or ten that came up and they were gone in like two days but Retro Rewind, I, I know the last batch you ordered, I think you ordered like 50 or 70 or something. So we had a fair bit, but you yeah. sold a good chunk of those already too. So. Anybody that's been asking, I've been giving both their names, but said that, uh, you know, in the States, Zipster Zone, in Canada, Retro Rewind, then you can save the uh, big fee of having to get it across the border. 
Yeah, or the delays. Or the delays. Like I remember yeah. I ordered On the other hand, if you're desperate and you, you don't want to wait, because of course Ed is now trying to catch up on back orders for everything he makes. Mm -hmm. So he does a batch of like, you know, an MC10, MCX, SD32, and then he's on to a composite video output circuit, then he's on to Gimme X, and then he's on, you know, like he's got so much stuff on the go here that he will be running out of stock on the SDC, which is his most popular product. You know, he'll make a batch of 10 or 20 and then it's it's gone in days and then you might have to wait a month before he gets back to it until he gets fully caught up. So Retro oh, yeah. Rewind is kind of your backup plan if you just want it as quick And as also possible. it's a lot easier if you're in Canada to order from Retro Rewind because I think when True. I ordered from Ed, uh, when it came across the border, it cost me an extra 35 or 40 bucks just to bring it across the border. So it really almost doubles the price having to bring really? it across Really, was that much on the duty? It, yeah, they nailed me. Holy it, crap. Any new electronics, they really nail you on the duty now. Wow. Because I, th I thought the whole free trade was if it was manufactured in the States, you didn't have to pay all that crap. Nope. Like if you're ordering something that you, you brought in from China or something, I thought it applied, but not. I've ordered stuff from uh, Europe and paid way less uh, duty on it than an order wow. from the States. That must be pretty recent. I haven't ordered anything from the States in a while, but I didn't realize it had gone up that bad. Uh, we have a question in the chat there from Tom Eric Gunderson. Does the AGD soccer run on the Dragon Coco, or is it just for the Spectrum and they have to be converted? They're originally written on the Spectrum, um, Para the and Keys. Yeah. That, that, that program is for creating games on the Spectrum or the Amstrad, ADG. Yeah. But and the then, engine's uh, on the Coco. The engine runs on the Coco and Dragon, so we're able to play all those games on yeah. our machines. Yeah. No, I, from my understanding from Para is that he does have to do some manual converts of things like the graphics, obviously, a bit different because we don't have that color, uh, you know, eight by eight color block foreground, background color thing, which is why our show up in black and white type thing. Um, and I think he has to probably tweak a few other things every every now and then too. But uh, it's it's basically converted over. He just has to tweak them as he releases them, and then they come out pretty quick because the engine covers most of it. This particular game here, on the other hand, was quite a bit of rewriting because there was a whole bunch of ML routines on the spectrum that weren't normally part but of the game. The game logic should be identical. Yeah, yeah, and the graphics are identical. I mean, the, the spectrum has the exact same graphic resolution as our Premode Four. The only difference is they have that little you know tile color additional bit there that tells every eight by eight squared you have a foreground color and a background color and you can pick from a bunch of colors whereas we just have the plain black and white so we're skipping that color attribute thing all right next up here um mike rayburn he says more info coming soon he actually does mention some of the comments but this is a uh, coco ps2 and it's basically a joystick and mouse uh adapter and you have a little switch to go between them um with a standard plug i'm using this up a little bit here if only there was somebody in our community had done this ahead of time <laughs> are are you inferring something Steve? not at all not at all okay <laughs> so anyway he's planning on um he's gonna have a batch of these that he's gonna pre-make with cases pre-molded and the whole bit pre-assembled ready to go and then after he says he sells enough basically to cover his cost for developing it himself he's actually gonna release everything uh, schematics, software, the whole bit, the uh, Gerber files, everything else for free. So that if anybody wants to duplicate it. What is that one or... connector on the back? Oh, is that this? What is that? Is that? Okay, I see I see the Coco DIN on the one side, but on the front side, it it's looks the like the IBM this... PC, the old uh, oh, look, serial sub 15 For like a serial mouse? No, it's the uh, PC joysticks, the ones before USB. The oh, connector that's on the, old, the uh, joysticks. The yes. olden game port. Oh, okay, so taking an IBM joystick 
that is yeah. still analog and then converting that over to the yeah if you can see my mouse cursor this is the uh PC oh, joystick okay, adapter. So this is that the is PS2 a little bit different than, than David's PS2 mouse yes. adapter. Yes, and that's why you have the switch to go between yeah. them because they're actually done a bit differently. Gotcha, gotcha. See, now, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I got several messages about this because, well, there are a few people that knew that I've made the PS2 adapter, and I'm like, well, there's always going to be innovation. I don't have a problem. It's I actually love it because that's another idea. You know, using another retro computer's um, joystick technology to be used on our machine. That's a great yeah, idea. Yeah, for the people that have multiple retro machines, this is perfect. If you have an older IBM PC type thing with the older joysticks and the older Yeah, PS2 like I've mouse, got a bunch of same... like the old like Thrustmaster style flight sticks and stuff like that on those 15 pin connectors. So those could all become Cocoa ready. Yep. Because they're all analog. So this kind of does what you did, Rick, in your. Um, PC Junior thing, right? It's just doing it like on a PCB. I would assume. I would assume. Um, somewhat, yeah. Okay. It's this is nice. I'm... Okay, and it's got a nice 3D printed case. Yeah, which you'll be uploading the files from later too. So, this is something because I mean, for some people that don't have access to 3D printers or like me, can't solder for crap. Um, this might be something that actually maybe somebody could start, you know, manufacturing and selling, you know, pre-done. Because he's only planning on selling enough, like I said, to recoup his cost of development and, you know, getting all the initial boards, et cetera. And then he's just yeah. going to release everything, you know, do what you with, want with it. Well, well um, he also, he yeah. also says he's going to work on a USB one. Interesting. Oh, okay. Interesting. So while we're on the subject, what is the status of the David Ladd PS2 mouse adapter? Are any of those available or any produced? If anybody wanted to get one of those now, can they? Arc. Uh, Mark's on mute. He stepped away. We'll have to wait for him to come back and see. Um, okay. Now, that's cool. I saw that. I wasn't quite sure all of what it did, but I, I see it now because I'm seeing that connector. That is actually a cool feature to take that old IBM-style joystick connector and convert that to the Coco. I've got a yeah, I have, I have another input. Um, one of the things that um, I have replied to one of the threads about getting, um, can you still get PS2 mice? Yes, you can. And there's a find that Mark found when he was doing testing that Microsoft sells a business mouse that on a certain version of them still come with the PS2 to USB adapter in the box. Okay. The mouse still works as a PS2 mouse. Okay. So it's both yeah. USB and PS2. So you what? can easily get the mice. And they're usually about 10 bucks. Wow. And they're nice mice. I provided the link in his his project there somewhere. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, one one thing I think we got to talk to Mark when he gets back is he he's making the same mistake that you know some other manufacturers in the cocoa community do, where they just they they announce a product once and then it disappears in the ether. You know, like Facebook. You know, this this will disappear in a few weeks. Um, but you really need something to advertise this upfront on your own website or whatever that people can find and refer to to get this stuff because a lot of the stuff people don't even know it exists. You do a search on Google, you can't even find it. So um, this stuff really needs to be advertised. Yeah, That's Mark's more. setting up a site for that. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, I need to also on my website that should be getting Google hits because I've set up the metadata in the website for the PS2 mouse project. Um, it should be getting hits. Um, 
I'll have to put a link to Mark's site when he gets it up. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Stevie has that nice uh, I'm a coconut launch page, which has a whole whack little links here. And we, we need to try to keep that up to date, too, because a lot of stuff seems to go missing. We get a lot of new people come in. They're all asking the same questions. Like, where do where do you find this? Like a yeah. SDC, something that gets found yeah. easily. But some of this stuff, it's getting reinvented because nobody knows it even exists. Okay. I mean, this one goes a bit further because it, it adds joystick functionality, too. Which is a bit well, cool. technically, it doesn't exist because if it's not a product that we can buy right now, it doesn't exist. So, <laughs> Well, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, now that's cool. Next. Okay. Next. I, I just want to mention, too, I saw in the chat here, uh, Taylor and Amy Show, they said their Coco SDC came in Thursday. You're going to have a hell of a lot of fun with that. That's all I got to say. Oh, yeah. There's ooh, a ooh. ton of software out ooh, there. Ooh. And hopefully you can eventually get a Coco 3 because then there's a whole bunch of hard drive stuff you can start fiddling with, too, so. Hey, you could, they can fiddle with the hard drive stuff now with OS 9 level 1. Come on. Yeah, it's not quite the same thing. <laughs> and Curtis, quit demo. putting down the old Who's even trying not to version. mention Nitrous 9 here? And David, you're forcing me now. <laughs> anyway, on to the next story here. <clears throat> so Richard Kelly's uploaded an updated version uh, 0.9 of his memory mirrored memory dump utility for the Coco. Uh, and it runs on the Coco 1, 2, or 3. Probably could be modified for the dragon pretty quick. And basically just lets you dump out stuff in hex. You can take a look at uh, the actual ASCII strings. Like here he's showing kind of the some of the header stuff that he's poked in at, at higher levels here. You can go through ROMs if you want to. You can go through RAM. Um, he's added a few things like being able to jump to a value, et cetera, that to make it a bit easier to navigate. So it's a nice little memory dump utility uh, that you can just run in basic and modify it to your heart's content type do, thing. So that's do, available for download on Facebook. Hey, Curtis, do you remember... <laughs> Because um, I got this from the Rainbow. Somebody had made a compiler that you could get on the Rainbow that would compile a single line and then make that into an executable file. So anything you could squeeze into one line of code up to 255 characters, it would compile that. Yeah, there was two <clears throat> two that did that. There was one that did that for a basic command and basically just embedded the basic calls to the ROMs in a, a little self-contained program. There's another one that did that for the DOS command for the 34... 34 track so, where you could actually have a basic program run when you type DOS. Well, no, this one, this was, this was something that actually compiled, but it was it was not a full-fledged basic compiler where you could compile a whole program. I guess it was intentionally limited to one line. So if you could make a one-line program, it would take that line and it would compile that into a bin file. And I actually did something like that, with like so similar to what he has here, where it actually ran through memory and you could use your joystick to um, scroll through RAM and then it just poked it all onto the screen. So you could have a panning display where if you move the joystick down, it went line by line. If you move the joystick left to right, it went bite by bite and it shifted things. But you could literally see, you could scroll through RAM. I've seen C 512 bytes of RAM kind of live on your screen and you could see different parts where there were counters and things were circling and things like that. But I had written a little program. It wasn't like fancy like this. It told you what address you were at, but it was like using your joystick to pan through RAM and seeing it poked on the screen. Um, and yeah, that would be cool because I remember <clears throat> I did that too. I just changed the SAMVDG settings to point to the you know direct page and up, so zero yeah. to five eleven. So you can watch like the timer changing sixty times per second, and you know the keyboard scanning routine would change the values as you press keys and stuff. It was pretty cool. Yeah, but it was neat because I was like, man, this is so cool that I can make something so fast, but I can only do it with one line, so I can't do it like a real <laughs> game. So I was so pissed, but I I was really impressed with how quickly I could scroll the screen and see like things just spinning and updating and cycling so fast on the screen. Um, 
Yeah, I, I wish I could remember the name of the program to even look it yeah. up in the rainbow. But when you think about it, if 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 this was able to compile just about anything, whoever made it, I'm sure somebody could maybe, you know, get it back to source code to make it work and become a basic compiler for a bigger program too. Yeah, know? well, I know there there was a discussion in Discord this week about basic compilers too in the basic channel, and then people were asking like what basic compilers are available. I mean, there's obviously there's uh, C Basic by Circomp, there's uh, ML Basic by Wasatchaware. They both have Cocoa 1 and 2, Cocoa 3 versions. There was also another one from Aardvark, because you played Labyrinth by Aardvark, and you were pretty impressed with it, the yeah. extended basic game. But they had a tiny compiler, and it basically just, you know, it did print, input, math, um, poke and peek, and a few other things, but it was written in basic itself. But it just compiled like maybe 20, 30 commands and functions. Like it was very limited, but it ran lickety fast. Huh. And I remember doing something similar to you, where I was having screen scrolling stuff, just using poke and peek, but running it through the compiler. Um, so if you did stuff with peek and poke, it's supposed to actually using set reset, et cetera, it actually ran pretty fast. So wow. that's another option for people if they want to grab that. I think that's on the archive too. If it's not, I've got it on a disk somewhere. And I did notice too that a lot of retro Rick stuff's making its way to the color computer archive because when I downloaded the latest SDC image and read the release notes, they mentioned like his maze algorithms and stuff were on there. So that's cool. cool that it's another place other than just Facebook that you can get some of the stuff because like you say, things on Facebook can get lost. Yep. Facebook is nice for doing a post if you want it to show up immediately for people because <clears throat> uh -huh. it basically is instantly approved. Whereas, you know, Graham has to, you know, get time to go through and he maybe does it, you know, two or three times a week where he goes through and approves things. Sometimes if he's really busy, it takes a week, week and a half before he approves it. So sometimes you'll throw up something, tell everybody, yeah, you should go check it out. It's going to be in the archive. And then for the next week, it never shows up type thing until it gets caught up. So I can kind of see using both, but you definitely should do both. You should put in the archive because that's like the permanent record. Right. That he's doing. And also the Internet Archive has a lot of room for that kind of stuff. There's a fair bit of cool stuff on there, too. So Cool stuff. Yeah, but Retro Rick's done a lot of stuff, man. He's a busy bee. Yep. Next up, Coco Crew episode number 81 came out <clears throat> just at the end of the month here. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, in this episode, Neil reviews Rick Adams' Cocodal, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he mentioned mine too for the Nitro 9 port. Of course, mine's getting further behind, so I'll have to catch it up when my work breaks uh, away from being stupidly busy here. The tech segment is about errors and schematics, so I thought I'd get some input from Rick Eland on that one because that was something Tony Stefano was actually quite famous for, was that his schematics were always published with purposeful errors, from what I understood, and it was basically to make sure that uh, people were just stealing his ideas and duplicating them type thing, so... Uh, Rick, what was your experience with going through schematics? Like, I assume the ones from Radio Shack are actually fairly accurate, but uh, any other third-party schematic stories where I John and hit the same thing, where they're just some of them are wrong. Now, some of them are wrong for legitimate reasons. You might have a different version of the board, you know, and something has changed, so something's different. But uh, what's what's been your experience, Rick? Right. Um, yeah, I, I expect a lot of that was just the way things were back then. I mean, when you changed the schematic, you had to get out your ruler and your ink and everything was always obsolete. And I, I'm sure some people like, I'm sure I, I do remember Disto would intentionally do a few things um, just because he was selling circuits for a living. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's not like today. Today you can scan a schematic in and, uh, you know, run a rules check on it. And you'll know and, you know, five minutes if it's accurate or not and back then you wouldn't know if your own stuff was accurate or not <laughs> okay this board works um don't change that art <laughs> yeah 
So yeah, it was it was a whole different world. Schematics were an interpretation of life. They weren't really a reflection. Okay. There you go. Yeah. So anyway, we got the standard you know, news stuff. There's a bit of a controversial topic to talk about. I'm not going to get into it here, um, but it's basically talking about you know the Cocoa Fest and Glenn's side. And, well, you guys can listen to it there. I'm not going to get into it here. Or but, not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, this was an interesting one. This is somebody I'd never heard of before uh, called Computer Hobbyist. And he's yeah, we had, we had him on the show. That was Dave. We had him on the show. That's the guy I met at... Uh, at uh, at uh, uh, Cocoa Fest this year. Oh, okay, Cause, yeah, because his picture's so small, I didn't recognize him. Yeah, yeah. So basically what he's done here is he's got the start of porting double back to modern C Sharp. Oh, and wow. He's using he's using the Monogame platform, which is actually a cross-platform. It's meant to be one platform that will handle Android, iOS, Mac OS X, Windows, Linux, whatever. And basically you can write the code once and it'll run on everything. So he's actually running it on a Mac here, running Visual Studio. Um, which I believe is Microsoft's, isn't it? So he's going through here and, and basically working on a version of Doubleback by Dale Lear. And he doesn't finish the game. He gets <clears throat> through some routines. He explains how the routines works. He goes through each of the subroutines and he shows some of the more modern art. And I'll show a little clip of it actually running at the beginning here. Most of it's about the programming side of it. But basically, this is an exercise for the reader, the viewer. This gets you started, shows you how to set some of this stuff up and how to get it working. It has the basic part where you can circle something. I think he uses cherries as an example here and how to you know do points and everything else. And then he leaves it up to you to finish the game or expand it from the original double back on the cocoa. Interesting. So let me fast forward a little bit to a little bit of a demo. Yeah, when we talked to him, he mentioned that's what he does. He works on um, more modern game development. Oh, look at that. Right. Here's the lines. Circle that cherry. It's not quite as yeah, he's, fluid. I think he's mentioned before that the uh, joystick he's using, which is yeah, obviously when you direction. make your own version of this, the uh, full version, you're going to want to add other types of objects besides just cherries and stuff. That's good though. He's got the basic mechanic of. But as the, you can see, choosing the two pixels. Yeah, and definitely more modernized graphics for like cherries. You can also get real clever here, and you can take the take the head of the snake and have it look like an actual snake or something. Have a little sprite for that. That's an idea too. Oh, he's using a digital joystick. Yeah, right. yeah. So that's basically how the game Needs works. Needs to be I made to the... use the mouse. That would yeah, that would definitely help. Yeah, that's cool though. It's, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, Double Back is one of the classic Coco only games. I don't yeah. think it's ever really been ported anywhere else. So, and it would be a good tribute, I think, to, to Dale to have a modern version because he did a modern version for iOS before he passed away that I actually had bought. And, and, yeah. and it was and fun then, with the finger because the finger actually kind of worked like an analog. Yeah. Joystick. Yeah. Actually worked was, quite well. And then I guess that one got lost because of the iOS updates and then it was never recompiled to, yeah. based on the new standard, uh, all that kind of stuff. So I think that's lost. Unfortunately, I had purchased it at one point in time, too. And, of course, yep, me too. I, I lost that iPad and a whole nine yards. But, yeah. Yeah. Hello, Daddy Burrito out there in the live chat. Who recently became a new patron. We mentioned we actually have three new patrons. It was Daddy Burrito, uh, Brian Walsh, and uh, Jay something. I forgot what they all were, but we mentioned them earlier. Yeah. 
quadruple back. He says it was, was ported to Linux. It's a clone. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. I didn't Quad, know that quadruple back. Interesting. Huh? <laughs> Doubling down on the double back. <clears throat> it's double back squared. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's neat, though. Another development series. And kind of like what Steve Bjork yeah. did, too. He took his assembly series. He, he gave us some code. Here's the starter of some bouncing balls. Now see what you can do with it. You know, similar yeah. thing there. But for some of the people on the panel that actually do you know, programming with modern tools, I don't. I'm totally retro. Um, it'd be interesting to see what some of you guys can do with this kind of stuff and, and what, what kind of ideas you'd come for a sequel to Double Back. Yeah. <clears throat> so next up, uh, Andy Smith, comic artist, and that actually is his job. Uh, decided to go through a couple of the old Radio Shack Tier City Whiz Kids ones here. Um, one of them we've seen before when um, uh, the guy was on Twit, Aaron Newcomb, because uh, he did a, a video on that we've we've covered before about a year or two ago. But basically, he's gone through the second one here, which is one with Supergirl as a guest. Um, I'm, I'm not going to play the whole thing because he's taking it from the art perspective. Like he's in a comic book artist, so he's covering the art and the styles of the art and, you know, what the different inkers and pencilers and, you know, what he remembers them doing to try to figure out how much of the work they did themselves, etc. But I wanted to show a little bit of the clip here because when he opens up this particular comic, the inside front cover is a full-color ad for a 4K Coco 1. Ooh. Like, the perspective going up is fine, but this, totally messed up. It should cut down here more. Yeah, definitely are critiquing. All right, I don't think this one gives credit. Oh, Supergirl's in this one. Oh, it does give credit. Kurt Swan, writer Carrie Bates. I won't play that part because you get unless you're a comic book geek, you probably won't recognize these names. I do, but. but Three ninety nine. Three ninety nine. Four K. Now, what is that picture? It's on the screen there. Was that the original? That's Tandy the music cartridge. Music cartridge. The two voice music cartridge. Which. The, the artwork they put in their catalogs was kind of hand-painted and never quite looked like what the real program did because yeah. I guess they weren't able to take pictures and make the picture look good enough for print or something. I don't know. So they kind of used some creative illustrations there. We saw things like Polaris with like a sky blue background that never yeah. existed <laughs> in, on the Coco. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's quite a few that were a fair bit different from the actual. Yeah. They, they usually were fairly close, but yeah, some of them were just way off. But I thought that was pretty cool because that's basically the, from the first year the Coco came out. That was the price. Yeah, and honestly, as far as comic book art goes, it's not like they got like you know the the C the C uh, string uh, artist. Oh no, Kurt, look, Kurt Swan was the main yeah, penciler for Superman these some, for like thirty years. These so. are some top tier artwork they got in these Tandy comic books. So it's really cool, and they, and yeah. technically they were free, right, when, from the store. Yeah. So it's not wasn't very often back then you could say, hey, I can get a free comic book. You know, the bad news was it had freaking WizKids and TRS-80 I mean, products. If, if you look <laughs> at the credits here for this particular issue, Carrie Bates was one of the main writers for DC at the time. He did a lot yeah. of the Superman stories. Kurt Swan was the Superman penciler after Wayne Boring. He did it for 30 like plus years. And Vince Coletta was one of their main inkers. Not my favorite. He kind of took really good art and dumbed it down a little bit, in my personal opinion. But uh yeah, that's all you know. Full blown comic book professionals. That's not taking, like you said, some third tier guy they dragged yeah. up the street type thing or out of art school. Right. It's uh, the guys that were doing the regular stuff for the regular. Yeah, this is a project for our interns, right? Well, they did used to do that a bit. I mean, I remember some of them, like Joe Kubert. Uh, he had his own art school, and he was one of the pencilers back from the '40s on. And uh, I think his son actually did some too. And he basically had this art school for comic book art in New York City. And uh, they did get interns out of there. And some of the big famous artists from later years actually came from his school. Yeah. So. Cool. 
By the way, that's really cool because that's that I I don't have my original Radio Shack catalogs anymore. When that first 4K Coco One came out, and it's mm, yeah, I sing an alternate version of that ad. It is a slice of history right there. It's even got the old uh, Radio Shack monitor with the little wood grain on the right hand side. Yeah, TV monitor thing too. So. so Supergirl wears pants, but Superman is in his undies. Oh, yeah. Well, she's wearing shorts, right. you know, kind of like sure. Daisy Dukes or something. I think it is. Yeah, but Superman is in his underwear. Yeah, <laughs> listen, that could be, be maybe his panties. I have no idea. Yeah, they might they might have switched. He might be wearing her and, panties. And Supergirl's and... costume modified. <laughs> she had a mini skirt in the early yeah, days. Yeah, yeah. So this is dressed. a little bit more uh, classroom this friendly, craft classroom oh. friendly wear that she's wearing now, oh. like a little mini skirt. Yeah. Superman's basically stayed the same. They changed the stylized S a little bit from the original 1938 version up, you know, gradually changed over the years. But anyway, enough of comic talk. There you go. Comic so, talk. Did, did, did you say that music program was not real? Or is, no, it's is real. It that, no, just the, uh, is the, it the, the music program that Tandy, the Tandy cartridge? The original Tandy two voice cartridge. Ah, okay. One note on the treble clef, one note on the bass clef. Yeah, I never saw that program. It actually wasn't bad. I mean, because it was one of the original cartridges that came out when the Coco was released. And in 1980, there weren't a heck of a lot of computers doing multi-voice music already at that point. No, no. Pre-Vic or pre-Commodore uh, 64, et cetera. So, you know, you're dealing with the Pat, the Model 1. I guess the Atari had come up with multi-voice. That would be the one. But it was one of the few that actually had multi-voice. Next step. And now this is where I'm going to start hitting problems here because this is uh, dealing with foreign languages. So Luciano... Sharf, hope I'm pronouncing it right. Mm-hmm. Has released this video in, and this is music related too, actually, uh, on his YouTube channel, and this is in Portuguese. Now, this is showing the Coco Tuner cartridge. Now, we have mentioned this on the show before because it's a cartridge that was meant for musicians to tune their instruments. They could tune a guitar, they could tune the piano, or whatever else to make sure that your tones were exactly right. You and you can, can tune a piano, but you can't tune a fish. Tune a fish, yeah. Right. Thanks for bringing up that old chestnut. Um, so basically, this this is in Portuguese. Now, I can turn on the translation so you can kind of get an idea, but I'll just play a little bit so you can kind of see what the program itself does. And he demonstrates it with the guitar here. Uh, but apparently, this was only about 80 of these were made. I do remember their ads in Rainbow, but he said, as far as he can tell, only three are known to still be in existence, and he has one of them. So this was actually uh, a piece of hardware that would actually you know read the voltage of the note you were playing on whatever and then compare it to what it was trying to match. And you match these note by note. This is not one like the modern ones where you hit the B string and you'll see B and it's flat by six cents and you adjust it up or whatever you need to do. You tell it, I want octave three at G. And you hit it and it'll tell you which way to adjust your instrument to match the tuner. Mm. It's meant to be a tuner, not like a tuning fork, not you know something that you adjust the program to. Your instrument, you're adjusting your instrument to the program. Okay. That's probably quiet, isn't it? Okay, the the self-generated captions seem to work pretty good. Yeah, I mean, Google Translate isn't perfect, but it gives enough to give a get a gist of it. (laughs) Now, who made this cartridge originally? Real-time Specialties, Inc. in Ypsilanti, Michigan. 
And you can hear it's it's generating the tone that you're trying to match to, right? And then it's got a little animated graphy thing that will slow down as you get closer to proper tuning. Okay. And you'll see it's got like octave four currently. With note A, we have no offset. It's 220 hertz, and basically you will try to match your instrument to that. And it covers a seven octave range, all 88 notes of a full size piano. So it's a pretty robust. And if you want to tune something purposely a little bit flat, you can tell it, you know, I want everything down, you know, a certain percent or whatever, too. Like drop D tuning. Well, it'd be more for, like, if you want subtle tuning differences, like you want a slight, slightly sharp open C tuning or something. So this is like the old strobo tuner in band room back in high school. I'm not familiar with that, so you'll have to tell me. I never took band in high it, school. It did that display, and then you match the... Exactly what this program's doing, except mechanically. Which explains the interface, I guess. Yeah. Like there, when you hear him play the note, you can see yeah. it slows down the, the graphing because it's getting closer yeah. to the tune. And that's pretty close. Yeah. Is that the way it worked, Rick? I, I never saw that. Exactly, except they were mechanical. So there was something running a Nixie strobe. And there was a reason for this specific interface to exist. They couldn't just tell you you're a little, you're five cents low. But they could say, okay, here's what you're trying to match. And then when you match it. I'm going to put a soda here. There's definitely some translation. Well, I'm going to put a soda here, it said. <laughs> I like. I remember when I was a kid, I got it a loaf below. <laughs> and sometimes it's amusing watching Google Translate. Hey, I'll play the rest of it there. But it's a pretty That's interesting me. piece of hardware. And I yeah. do remember this being advertised in Rainbow. Um, it's a fairly limited audience. Obviously, you need to be pretty well a musician that tunes their own instruments type thing, which, I mean, if you're doing guitar, it'd be handy and, and pretty cheap. But I don't think most people tune their own pianos, et cetera. So, um, but, it, yeah, we'll have it's, a, a, it's a rare piece of Cocoa hardware. He's got it actually up and running. Uh, it works. And uh, if he can dump the software, I don't know what was involved with the hardware there. Um, I don't know if he has the skills to do that or not. Yeah, I, I know I don't Back then we had pitch pipes. That was it. Yeah, what well, just the tuning fork. The tuning Ooh, fork. Yeah. C, right? yeah. That's what I remember using. I didn't have any fancy whatever Rick was talking about in school there. <laughs> <laughs> now you just take out your phone and you just tell it, you know. Well, actually you don't tell it anything, you just fire up the app and you hit a string and right, it tells you, you that's a she sharp and it's six uh cents sharp. So please tune it down or whatever. Right. Was there software on ROM? Yeah, it looks like yes. a cartridge. Yeah, it's a cartridge. It's got hardware and the software, from what I can tell. I don't think it's just a raw software, you know, doing it like audio spectrum analog. It'd have to be a deck. Some type of deck. Or an ADC. IDC, the other way around. Analog yeah. to digital converter. Yeah. Okay. Now, it does play tones, so maybe it's got both. I don't know. It might be using the Coco's built-in 6-bit deck to generate the tone as a background for you to try to match audibly before it gets close, to get it close. I'm not sure. Okay. Cool. Next up for the French listeners in the audience, or oui, oui. no French. Um, this is a, a channel I'd not seen before, and I'm not even sure I pronounced that last part. It's PMZL Informatique Avancy. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Um, but basically, they've been doing some tutorials on programming, and there's been some generalized ones. But the last two have actually been specifically about the 6809. So these are kind of tutorials on programming machine language in French. In French, it's a lay 6809. <laughs> 
But yeah, it, it looks it looks from what I can see. I mean, even the slideshows are in French, which I can recognize bits and pieces of. So it does look like it's pretty robust. It looks like a good tutorial. And and I think they actually mentioned too in the comment or the description of the videos that this will apply to the Coco, it'll apply to Dragons, it'll apply to the Vectrix, and they mentioned some other machines too. So Right, because it's the CPU, it, not the platform. Yeah, exactly. The system. It's, it's yeah. CPU specific, not platforms. Yeah, that's neat. Next up, we have uh, Greg Hamilton here. And if we remember from last week, we showed him where he got his uh, ver or vertical scrolling working on the MC10 in machine language. And now he's added horizontal scrolling. So he's got a couple of these pokes to do to set it up and then you exec his routine. But this way, he's actually got all scrolling going. So this is showing the horizontal scrolling specifically that he added in this week. Oh my God, that is wild. And from what I understood of looking at the, the little basic program he has here that sets this up, I think he's got a virtual 256 character wide screen that you can scroll through. Because he's doing this kind of 240 step 32 thing. But anyway, if, once he releases these in public for MC10 programs, even the basic programs here that you know don't want to learn 6803 assembly language, if you want to have full blown scrolling effects in all four directions, his little set of routines here will do just that for you. John Laurie's comment on YouTube, the only thing harder than assembly language is assembly language in French. <laughs> Lay assembly. <laughs> okay. Also, there was a comment from uh, BRYFPV in the chat. A YouTuber named James Sharman built a homebrew pipeline CPU, and the first game he wrote for it was a clone of Doubleback that he called SNSKE. Snake. He spelled snake wrong. Oh, he did. Snake, yeah. So I haven't seen that either, so... Next up, this is another semi-serious one. This is Jim Gary and, and in support of Ukraine. Um, so he did a little MC10 here with the Ukrainian flag. Glory to you, Ukraine. Glory all around the world. That's neat. So, I, I don't know. I like. I don't know how many Ukrainians you have in the states here, but we have a fairly large, especially in my province here we have a fairly large ukraine i've got several in-laws that are ukrainian so this has been really affecting them so sad times on to better things uh so john whitworth has done a couple of updates here on his uh attempt to duplicate the original dragon beta which is the multi-cpu business machine that they were doing that would handle up to like three quarter mega ram and have an mmu and have an 80 calm card built in dual cpus the whole bit megahertz um so this is his initial batch of this pcbs he's been basically you know retro engineering the original beta board that they actually got from the dragon and there's only a few of these in existence because it never got fully manufactured 
So this here is showing the raw circuit boards. He's got five of these came in uh, that he got manufactured for his first attempt to get the machine actually working. And he's got his little satellite board here for uh, character RAM and the video and stuff here. And some other uh, Super Sprite FM Plus, of course, he's got it there as well, too. So he's really hyping this machine up. And there's the other side of the board. So that was his first post from near the beginning of the week. Uh, and then he did an update just this morning where he's actually got the sockets and resistors and oh, stuff wow. in here now, too. And everything's socketed, too. That's nice. Got the switches on here for power, et cetera, too. So really looking forward. If he can get this thing fully up and running here, that's going to be cool. Because this will be a machine that would have been awesome back in the day and still would be pretty awesome. Now, this is like gimmicks level, but with extra graphics and sound added to make it more Coco 3-ish like, I guess. Um, and there was you know, a version of OS 9 for multi-CPUs that was being designed for it then. I think they have some of that code, if not all of it uh, from there too, because it was actually manufactured for other manufacturers at the same time too. I don't know how much far they got on the specific graphics and sound capabilities of this machine, but that would make it one wicked OS 9 level 2 machine, I would say. It, it looks like an IBM PC XT motherboard. Yeah, it does. Yeah, with all the RAM sockets. Matter of fact, yeah, one, one of the things I was going to show you guys in updates and acquisitions, I got a Tandy 1000 that I've gutted right now, and it looks very similar to that motherboard, too, on my <laughs> Tandy 1000. So, yeah. Yeah, and this was an 84 when they started doing this at Dragon, so that's uh, yeah. probably at the same time the Tandy 1000 being developed, but it was a good year or two before everything. Yeah. The Deluxe Dragon. The Deluxe Dragon. There you go. Yeah. It's a beauty. So I'm really so looking forward he, to see. I hope hope it works. How did he get the uh, circuit? Did he have pull a uh, original board apart, or he's, no. he's he's got the original board? I think he did high res scans and has been figuring out all the traces and stuff from that. Right. I think. I, yeah, no, they didn't no, they no. didn't cannibalize the board, but it's based on the one of the original prototype yeah. boards. Yeah. Which they've shown it, running and booting the ROM that's built into it at at some of the Dragon Fests. Is there a, a Coco Deluxe board, a real one that anyone's got? Yep, Boise's got one. Well, we should do the same with that to get a Coco Deluxe or recreate the Coco Deluxe. Yeah, with the serial port built in, the sound chip built in. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they have a fully done ROM, though, because the ROM had a bunch of extra features, too, that I'm not sure if all that's on there or not. Doesn't need to be. We'll patch it. Or you could just make a Coco 5. Yeah. Now, here is the full Dragon Beta character set. Now, this I did not know until I read this. It has a 512 character set, not a 256 like the VDG. Now, he said he did the spreadsheet in green and black because he already had a spreadsheet set up for doing some of the graphic uh, text mode of the VDG chip. But this board does not use a VDG at all. So I'll zoom that up a little bit here so you kind of see a bit closer. But you can see they've got uh, like nice bolded up characters they've got a whole bunch of control characters with a bunch of you know, you know visual symbols like musical notes and the happy face yeah, it looks like the ibm so. extended ANSI set a little bit they've got a lot the of semi-graphics the... blocks down there are different yeah they're actually more like the model one and three they're a two by three pixel um so that you can get a bit more detail in there they've also got a, a few interesting things like they've got a lot of the line characters and stuff that you can see they've got some stuff like Half, half symbols, quarter symbols, etc. But they've also got like all the entire control character set you'd see on some of the really old terminals like the Lear-Zeglers and stuff like that. Around the middle, you can see N-U-S-H-S-X-E-X. And that's all representative control characters for controlling modem ports, etc. So that'd be stuff like, you know, vertical tab and horizontal tab and line feed and carriage return and 
you know, shift character set one in and all that kind of stuff too. So anybody's done any programming for the old RS-232 stuff, you even have the debugging characters in there too. But I had no idea that this thing actually had a 512 character set. And one interesting part you'll see in the upper right corner is the word beta sped across oh, yeah. four different characters. And that was actually yeah. custom made for the drag itself. And if you look on the right in the comments, here's what it looks like when you actually print it on the real. Yeah, hardware. that's neat. Because the, the real hardware actually does white on black. It doesn't do this weird green you know, BDG right. simulation here. But they actually built, redid the character set just enough to put their own custom logo built into it. I'm wondering why they use the word beta when usually the beta is something you release before you release the final. Unless, the, you know, like you have the alpha, the omega, the alpha, beta, omega. So is it just kind of a Greek thing versus like when we talk about beta software, well, it's not ready remember, for release? Didn't Dragon, like they did the Dragon 32, the Dragon 64, and then I think they had the Dragon Alpha and the Dragon Beta were both simultaneously being updated. One, the Alpha oh, okay. was for the home market and the Beta was for the uh, business market. Now, I don't know if they were planning on changing the names of these once they got you know fully done. Mm, okay. um, hopefully somebody in the chat or somebody that's more familiar with the Dragon history there will be able to clue me in onto that specifically. But yeah, I'm kind of curious on that too. Still, you changed the four placeholders and whatever your new logo is there it is right. yeah so that's cool yeah. and you got more what? pixels on on here than you would have had on the original coco so you got a fair bit of room to play with what video chip does the uh, beta use i'm not even sure it's an 80 column card i do know that but i'm not sure if six, it was just eight, a, four, five. A, yeah it could be a 68845 with a custom bank switch character rom that switches yeah. between the two characters i'm not sure i i do like the fact that I mean, the bottom half is basically duplicating the top half with alternate graphic characters and an alternate text characters. Like if you look at the A, the ones on the top yeah, are more slightly serif different. based. Yeah. And these are more the uh, non-serif based, or like the more clean. So that was kind of nice that you could actually switch between the two. Yeah, full upper and lower and the whole nine years. And if you wanted like the really fine line art IBM style, you'd use the top half. If you wanted the Tiracity Model 1.3 kind of, you know, right. pixel 160 art. by, what would that be, 75, you know, pixel art, you could do that too, so. Very cool. Really looking forward. Like if John can get this thing actually up and running, I'm really curious if we can maybe get him to come on and do a full live demo of it because I would love to see some of the capabilities this thing has. I wonder what the characters at the very bottom are meant to be. They're basically they're they're block characters but with outlines. So they like they look like a grid. Braille. And yeah, it, kind yeah, of that's what I was like wondering. Yeah. Like, ignore the bottom black part because that's just the way he set up his character cell grid. He's got some yeah. extra black in the bottom that's not part of the character whatsoever. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, but it the might be a barcode or, or braille. Yeah. Or so it's basically like um, a two by like a light bright three. like a light bright version of the normal semi graphics blocks, where it's doing it like in a grid pattern versus a solid pattern. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's exact same. Um, appearance. Same, like if you the look at the one. ones two rows above it, it's the exact same character except this is inverted. Yeah, well, not inverted, but it has the outline uh, characters. Yeah, so it's, it's broken up into a grid instead of being solid blocks. Yeah. Okay, yeah. it's interesting. It would be real it easy is. to make like if you wanted to make a, a skyline of the city with like windows in your buildings and stuff. That would be really easy to do with yeah. that. You know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> nice. Adrian's digital third. basement. What's that? Uh, David? I said Adrian's digital basement. Oh, you recognized it, did you? Oh, yes. I watched <laughs> it the other day. <laughs> so anyway, what he got here, and he, he calls it some neat stuff from North the Arctic Circle, and it's actually, I think, somebody in, was it Norway? Where's my notes? Yeah, I think so. 
Yeah, from Norway. So he got some donations and he got uh, multiple chunks of machines, some of them not working like this Laser 200 actually. This this machine, I, I left it on here. I mean, it's not a 6809 or anything, but it does use a VDD chip. And when you turn it on, you can instantly tell that because it crashes immediately with you know random graphic blocks and text characters, et cetera. Um, so it's not working. But the other one he received in here was a real Dragon 32, which he unfortunately didn't get time in this particular video to actually try out here. And next try up out is here. the Dragon 32. And I know people on YouTube have see, shown these computers before. So the Dragon 32, I have never seen one in person, but this was sold in the US. It was made by a company in Wales, if I recall, watching RMs. Now that's not quite accurate. The 32, I don't believe was sold in the US, wasn't it only the 64? Well, the, the Tano, the Tano Dragon was the yeah. only one sold in the US. That's, yeah, but, and that was a 64, not a 32, yeah. but yeah. It has the same exact architecture inside as the Coco 2, the TRS-80 color computer and the color computer 2. It's a Motorola chipset, so it's basically right out of the, the textbook of how to design a computer using that chipset. Yeah. And I think after... Hey, I won't play the whole video, but he goes into a little bit of detail. doesn't get a chance to run yet. Hopefully, he'll do that in a fall video. Okay. Now, speaking of Dragon 32 upgrades and repair, the last story I have here from Retro Tech Repair. So this is a follow-up to a video he one of his friends on youtube did he had basically this friend had gotten a dragon 32 in, in, in really really rough shape and he sent it to retro tech repair to get it fixed and he kind of bodged things together and got it up and running again and sent it back cleaned it up a bit but he received it back again now and now he's kind of finishing the job so one of the things he did is he found bad ram in the original one and this is a dragon 32 so he replaced some 64k ram chips of course it runs at 32. He also had some damage to the case, so he, he kind of figured out a way to fix that. There's some cracks, etc. Um, cleaned up some of the solder needed because he did bodge wires all over the place. But he actually further upgraded this one here. He actually did the modifications that are required for Dragon 32 to bring it up to the 64K working, kind of like we had to do in the Coco. You can get a 64 upgrade, but until you you know, do a little bit of hardware manipulation with some capacitors and stuff, I don't know the exact details. Rick or somebody else might remember that better than me. But there was some changes you had to do, like an e-board Coco to get 64K to actually run a 64K. Otherwise, we would just run as 32. So that's kind of what he covers in this video here. So I'll, I'll play a little He's bit of the repair. beginning. A little bit of We're the going end. to be doing more repairs and upgrades to this Dragon 32 that I bought spares or repair on eBay. Hi, mate, Vince. This Dragon 32 might look familiar to you. I first bought it spares or repair on eBay for the princely sum of £47.06. Since then, it's appeared in the 2021 YouTube Fixers Christmas Special over on Vince's channel. Christmas Special, we have Roger from Retro Tech Repair. And in this episode today, he's going to be attempting to fix up a 1980s Welsh computer. If you haven't yet seen that, I'd go across and check it out. There's a lot of other great fixes on that video. And Vince is a legend among YouTubers. I'm sure you'll really enjoy his content. So he goes through it and it was a pretty messed up machine. It's got a crack in the top part of the case. Like I said, he goes through there and fixes it and then he gets a 64K running. He's also fiddling with the video. When he originally fired it up for this video, like the follow-up one, the RF was actually coming in clearer than the composite, which kind of was strange to him. So he replaced a couple of op amps and then he finds out there's two different pots. And he, unfortunately, one thing he found out is if you tweak it to be the best possible picture for RF, it screws up the composite and vice versa. So you can have one or the other coming in really clear but the other one doesn't come in quite as good. You get some waviness and other things too. So he kind of explains you know, what he did there. He definitely did get a running better quality, but you still have to adjust the pots separately, whether you want RF output or if you want composite output at the best possible quality. 
I'm going to get an ad here, so I'm not going to bother playing. Anyway, you can check out the video. If you've got a dragon and you want to kind of learn how some of the video circuitry works, he also shows a bit of an inside glue repair he did to uh, fix up the crack in the case because it was actually cracked and would bend. And that would actually, you know, could potentially just outright break later. So it's a pretty good video. Anyway, you can check it out. Okay. And that is the end of the news. That is the end of the news. Oh, my God. I wonder if Michael Furman managed to stay awake this whole time during the snoozy newsy segment of the show. Is great. Nick still awake then, too? Yeah, that was my question. Yes. Well, great job, as always, Curtis, procuring news from around the world, covering a vast array of systems and information. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, do we want to take a brief commercial break before we go into project updates and acquisitions? I'm seeing multiple heads <laughs> nodding. Okay, I will go ahead and uh, share sound here. So while we while we play us out on this commercial break here, we're going to do a little Coco Do uh, commercial here. I don't know if we've heard the original Coco Do in a while, so we'll kick things off with some Coco Do, and we'll be back after these words, boys and girls. Coco Talk will return after these messages. Un ordinateur couleur qui a de la personnalité. Le Coco 2 de Radio Sac. On solde pour Noël à partir de 149,95. Hi, Ron Delvo. Timberman. Coco Fest. Coco Talk. And now, Coco Thought by Samuel Gimes. If you're using your color computer in Quebec and it stops working, is it now a Coco won't do? Hey, have you got your Coco 3 yet? Hi, this is Rick Adams, author of Temple of Rom and Shanghai, and you've tuned into Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. What's going on everybody? Original Gamer Stevie Stroh here, and if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro gaming, then you're going to love our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. There you will find custom designs by Instagram artist Joel M. Adams. You can get Ama Coconut, Coco Talk, and other cool video game images on a t-shirt, coffee mug, or mouse pack. So if you love retro then head on over to the retro swag shop at 8bit256.com today. Tell them the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Radio Shack Storewide Manager's Red Tag Sale is on now. We've slashed prices 20%, 30%, 40%, 50%. Save on famous Radio Shack Hi-Fi, car stereo, radios, toys, TV games, calculators, walkie-talkies, and CB radios. Look for the big red tag. Save like never before on these and literally hundreds of red tag specials. Hurry into Radio Shack today. I'm too sexy for your David Ladd. Hi, this is Randy Kindig of the Foppy Days Podcast. I just love me some cocoa, and nobody covers it better than Steve Strobridge. You're listening to Coco Talk. Woohoo! Nice little ego boost there, huh? 
Nobody does it better. Um, That was so funny. I love the the Tim and AJ thing. You're going to be in it. Am I going to be interviewed by... By Ryan Reynolds? Well, no, you're going to be interviewed by Curtis Boyle. Good Lord, but, is she going to be disappointed? <laughs> but he's also a Canadian, right? So. <laughs> Maybe I'll pass his can of Reeves. I don't mm. know. Lord have mercy. Well, it, it's uh, sadly, we're running out of show, folks. We're, we're in the final, final stretch of this program. So before we, as uh, Jason would say, press the button, Frank, we do this thing where we talk about project updates and acquisitions. And this is where we talk about things we worked on throughout the week or maybe things we picked up or acquired or whatever. So we'll go around the room and see who's got a story to tell or something to share. Uh, Mr. Ken Waters, anything new with you this week, sir? No. Well, you've been doing <laughs> stuff on video. So you have had a busy week because uh, uh, Curtis has covered lots of your YouTube yeah, so I've Project, been doing lots so. of uh, YouTube and you did, stuff. You did and you did do kind of a game on live, just privately in Discord. Yeah, so. we did a private game on live. Um, been working on another episode of Basic 09 programming. And, okay. uh, yeah. Right. And I've been getting out and about in the world, so. Out and about. Yeah, you're kind of doing a new series on, on uh, local stuff to you. Yeah, NBC, so I, right? I have a video coming out soon where I've got I've gone out to see what an eight bit piece of art would look like in real life. Hmm. Explain okay. that to me. <laughs> uh it's looks like an eight bit drawing, but it's three dimensional in real life. Okay, so it's so like a it's pixelated. A pi- so, so pixel art sculptures and whatnot. Or? Yeah, it's a pixel art sculpture basically. Okay, yeah. gotcha. All right, that I understand. Okay, so. very cool. Mark Overholzer. Before Mark starts here, uh, David reminded me we were supposed to ask Mark about the uh, PS2 adapter. Yeah, so so Marco, we were showing on the news somebody's oh. somebody's got yeah, on Facebook that. with that. So what's what's the status with the David Ladd one? Do you have any available for sale or? Uh, no, I need to order some more boards, but I have the rest of the parts. So I'm just going to be doing that here. And how are people oh, how are people going to know when they are available and how are they supposed to be able to order them? Ooh, that is a good one. Uh, I do have a website, but it doesn't have anything about any of that stuff on it. But I do have a website, so I guess I can give you that. Well, let's let's wait until we have a way that it's <clears throat> people can see what's available. Yeah, that would make more sense. So okay. Anyway, yeah. So All I right. do have those. Uh, I've done about a dozen of them or so, and uh, sold a bunch uh, as kits. I and I'm not. And these are David Ladd's designs, basically. And so I'm just making it because he doesn't. So. You know, I'll get all the parts together. I'll sell you a bunch of parts. I'll sell you a circuit board if that's all you want, or I'll sell you a built one with a case. You know, your choice. So okay, because yeah. one thing we discussed when you were away before is that uh, there's, it's a bit of an issue with you know yourself and some other Kilco manufacturers that there's not an easy way to find out unless you happen to watch a show and catch us talking about it. Like we need mm-hmm. a, a something that's easily searchable, linkable off you know, like I'm a coconut.com, et cetera, to to push to push help push the products out there so people know they exist but we're getting a lot of influx of new people if you watch the who's new to discord we're yeah. getting a lot of new people and they have no idea in this past stuff so if you've mentioned it once a year ago and never mentioned it since they'll never know right yep good point um 
the I'm a coconut. Isn't there like uh, there's a link to hardware specifically, isn't there? Yeah, that whole site needs to be updated. That's a whole project of mine I need to work on. There's that one. And I also try to link to things on the merchandise website, 8-Bit256. So I try to link to software off of that. But yeah. Um, But step one would be having a landing page where people can find out what the product is and then when it's available, things like that. When you have that landing page, then we'll we'll, we'll worry about how we promote that. Um, Okay. I'll make that a priority. Um, did you have any other updates or anything that went on with you? I know you mentioned going to Disneyland with the family, which is great. Anything else this week? Yep. Yeah, basically, I've been out of the slot all week uh, doing that. But uh, yeah, actually, I was, uh, I've was. i talked to both um, Paul Fiscarelli. He has some designs that he's not making, but he has the uh, specs up. And also, um, Malfunk, Scott Went. And so I'll be grabbing stuff for their, theirs and making boards for those. So all of their products I'll have stuff for. Same thing. Want a board? I'll sell you that. Want a kit? I'll sell you that. Want the whole thing built? I'll sell you that. Right. Okay. Uh, Curtis Boyle, anything with you this week, sir? Hmm. Um, I did manage to sneak in a little bit of time to work on Petski. Um, basically, I was taking the new map routine uh, that shows a full-color map of the level you're on and where the robots are and where you are. Uh, Jay wrote one that got it up and working. I compressed it a bit because we're now going to be expanding the tile set um, we've got the original Petski, which is a seven-bit tile set with an inverse bit. So it's basically just seven, seven-bit uh, character sets, 128 unique characters. Not all of them are quite used. Uh, Jay has been working on taking basically the Amiga graphics and converting them over to the Coco 3. So we're going to get full 16-color graphics out of this. So he's been working on that. And uh, I think, Nick, we actually showed you a bit of a sneak preview of what it looked like. It's actually not too far off the Amigas. It was actually a bit better than I was expecting, to be honest. But it's going to take more room because we're going to need a full 256 character. So now we have to free up another 4K in our memory map here. So we're kind of working on how to rearrange memory and have some stuff swapped out, not active all the time, uh, when it's not needed type thing. Like during actual gameplay, we're going to take the disc routines and swap. Because you never load anything off disc while you're on a certain level to make room for the extended fonts. So we don't constantly sw- switching the MPU. I've also got to get the uh, dirty tile rendering done and stuff too. Haven't had much time to do that. But Jay's been working in the background. I managed to compress his original map routine down a fair bit, so that freed up some room again. And uh, as work slowly starts to catch up here, I, I'm hoping to get a bit more time and get back on that. Plus, I have to try to get stuff ready for the fest, too. I mean, I want to get a new Nitro Stein release. Probably not going to be as big as I'd wanted, but thankfully, there's a lot of other people working on We've showed off, like, the new G-Shell control panel and stuff here. Um, the Petski, the Petski uh, ASCII character set is actually a new font in it that'll be coming out. So we're trying to get all that done here before May as well. Um, I don't think I'll get time to get to the Nitro 9 manual before then. I was hoping to maybe get into some of the commands because there's so many new commands that are not in the most 9 manual from Tandy Microware, or a lot of them have changed and upgraded with a ton of extra options. It doesn't mention other two. The online helps has a good chunk of that, but it's not in the nice PDF format you insert through. So um, just, there's a ton of stuff on the, the, the back burner or you know, hopefully getting to soon. Petski is something we want to get complete first. <clears throat> and then I'll be back on the Nitrous 9 and then I'll be onto the documentation and then it's my own liberation project and a bunch of other things too. So are nothing to show, still, but still working on stuff. Are you still aiming for 128K or yes. making all right. Are there of the other conversions of the game, do any that support the sixteen color tile set, are they also in one twenty eight K or less? The Commodore one twenty eight version for sure is. Um I'd actually look, there's so many versions of that now, like there's 20 or 30 platforms under active development. And, you know, it, it varies from like 
you know, more modern PCs to Nintendos to Atari 7800s and 5200s to Spectrums and all kinds of stuff. So I'd, I'd have to check. I was just wondering if you're going to do add that ability in there, then you're constraining it all. You're adding work to yourself to make it all fit into 128K. You should not worry about it. Just do. Well, it'll fit in 128K. I'm trying to get it so it'll fit in that 164K map so I can reserve the other map for sound effects, etc. That, that's oh, what I'm okay. trying to do. Okay. Yeah. It, it definitely fits in 120K. I mean, basically, right now it's fitting in almost 64. But with, oh, okay, the whole game. Yes. Two color and 16 color ones. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. Oh, as you were. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Curtis has got a lot of coals and a lot of fires going on there. Yeah. And getting none of it done. That's my All tradition. Right. So. There you go. Listen, you're, but you're multitasking that. So you're making it up in bulk. <laughs> Rick Eulin, anything new and exciting with you going on? Yes, I have got something done. My Let me zoom in on you real quick. Okay, you're zoomed in. Just hold that up again. Okay. So here's my keyfix board, which uh, replaces the membrane in a Coco 3 keyboard. That is a beauty. And uh, they're now available on my site computerconnect.com for now, I noticed there's bucks. a toggle switch on the back. What does that toggle switch do? Yes, this this changes the it moves the up and down arrow to the alt and control keys. So if you oh, want to play a Coco wow. game and get your Yeah. Get the old Coco one and two style games can, going like a bench. You want to get the whole four, you want to get the whole spread sp- spread out four finger action going on there instead of the uh four fingers in a diamond formation. That's really hard to do, right? So uh, exactly. See, see, now I'm conflicted. I've got Ed Snyder's new excellent mechanical keyboards here, but right. I want that functionality too. So, so this one, you still have to use your original keycaps and everything else. So it just replaces the mylar, the underneath. Yes. Yeah, right. So it, it still looks completely normal. It looks like a normal color. Is... So it comes in your choice of the original color. <laughs> exactly. Um, right now, it comes in your choice of clicky or clicky. Yes. Yeah. No, but I, 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 I did a you know touch type feel on that at Cocoa Fest. It felt really good. It was a nice clicky tactile it, feel to it. It has an additional feature in that it's not hard set. The board is balanced against the keyboard keys, so you can tighten it down more and get a really high click. You know, super touchy key if that's what you like. Mm, it's tunable. Or, or yeah, or you can you know let it off so the kids can bang on it and not smash the bottom out of the thing (laughs) and i I will also have just a uh the board um the bare board for i think 20 bucks so if you want to try different keys there are all you know different types of switches and stuff yeah there are all kinds of switches in this world and so i made the board so it will take through hole switches or four by six or six by six surface mount switches so you can play with a whole bunch of different hardware if you want to and make your the Coco keyboard of your dreams Man. possible. What, what, so if, is it forty five dollars just the board, or is that including the switches? Well, that's the the, the assembled board that you just need yeah. to screw yeah. on the bottom okay. of your Coco keyboard. That's I'm going to want to get one of those from you at the fest, Rick. So excellent. Put I'm, me down I'm for one. To, I'm, I'm going to be soldering. I've, and I would I've and of course, got a, I would like you to autograph it for me too. So I want an autograph oh, Rick U board. Yeah. What's the deal? website again? What's his website again? Uh, com- uh, compute, computer connect with one n. Computer computerconnect.com. Computerconnect.com. One n. 
So I posted a link. In chat. Rick is one of those guys that has a website that shows what his products are. So he's one of those rare birds out there. It's so. an amazing thing. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> this is my fourth one, by the way. Yeah. So I now have That's actually nice. four products on sale at once. I'm a big fan of your Coco joysticks. So I was going to show that off on my update acquisition. Uh, How's your Ethernet card going? Uh, we, we're having some timing issues with some cocos, so it's one of All those. Right. It's still you know, it's, yeah. it's 80% good. Have you, have you got any clues? Like, if you can start narrowing down what's causing the timing issues? I'm actually a getting a cocoa that doesn't work shipped to me. So, so you can actually really <laughs> see what's going I've, on. I've tried it on five. I even rebuilt a cocoa 2 out of my junk pile, as well as a cocoa 3 and the cocoa 3, and they all work. So I've been kind of, it's hard to fix something that you can't experience. Right. So, yeah, we finally got one that doesn't work coming to me. So okay. There you I'll go. be able to figure out what the heck is going on. Is it the Ethernet or the serial port that's not working? The, the Ethernet timing doesn't. Ethernet, yeah, right. Which, you know, was kind of most of the point of the thing, basically. Yeah. So. yeah. Uh, is that all for you, Mr. Euland? I believe so. Um, okay. Thanks for sharing. Mark B, anything? Any coals in the fire? Well, I bought a new chair. Mark's got a new chair. The old one still serves the original purpose as a cat holder. A cat holder. <laughs> <laughs> Is it pre-scratched hey, then? Or? Don't laugh. That's oh, important. Oh, yeah. that other one's got so many scratches on it. it it's... Ugh. It was getting uh, uh, pretty worn out. Uh, I mean, I've had it. Uh, I've had it since about the eighties. Wow, well, that's period correct. That's period what you're correct. <laughs> <laughs> period and it, cat correct. It, it was time for a new one. The bearings are gone. The springs gone. So, yeah, it was. It was that time. Right. Butt damaged. Right. Cool. I'm sure the cats through. don't complain. I I'm wore sure the cats. through the leather. Wow. Yeah. So. Any, anything on the cocoa side other than furniture uh, no. <laughs> yeah. what about you Ron Devo you probably got 10 million things on Facebook you've posted this week yeah so what you should do is just go there and look I got um, <laughs> I, hooked up, I hooked up my um, 20 inch 22 inch whatever it is it's diagonal um, uh, Toshiba TV to my uh Coco 2, which was a T1 Coco 2. It had a composite uh, mod, and I oh, got wow. pictures from it. And it, it's uh, run through the my VCR, like in the old days people did. Yeah, yeah. They didn't have a composite. And it works pretty good. It's a nice uh, clear screen, and uh, I brought up a, a bunch of games and things and and um, took screenshots, and, and it's neat to see. Yeah. You know, it seems like... Uh, of the stuff I post, um, whenever you, you post stuff about the cocoa itself, it gets more hits than anything, you know, to see actual hardware. So, okay, cool. Enjoy. Keep up the good work on the uh, Facebook front. Uh, we talked to Ken, um, Alan, Alan Murphy, are you there? Anything new with you? Oh, yeah, kind of uh, been beavering away in the background working on sound driver stuff. I've got 16 different sound driver related chunks of code that I'm integrating into one part. So I developed all the little pieces individually to play the same sets of sounds off of a bunch of different sound cards. 
now I'm trying to get them to all be one piece of code. And uh, I've got 17 different music and sound effect cues that I've got to run through that for my game. So that's why it's been kind of quiet since the random number generator fest mm. finished up. So I'm actually to the point where I have to get the sound done, not just framed up. So okay. just taking some time, but uh, it's kind of interesting. I've got the ability right now to go up to 20 voices on the Mega Mini MPI. Wow. 12 voices on the Symphony 12 or Philharmonic 12. And the bulk of the sound stuff is in the three voice range for uh, the original game. And because that's what most of the chips support. Okay. So doing that lowest uh, common denominator thing there. Yeah. I cover like the speech sound pack, the uh, GMC, the PSG, that kind of thing. Correct. Are, are you supporting the software six bit DAC too then with multi voice? Yes. No? Yes. Okay. That was a big 10 four. Oh, wow. Okay. Got sound covered. Uh, Mr. Morenti, is anything new in your front? Uh, my uh, game, Zero Hour, is now complete. Complete. Um, yes, right. So it's finished. I'm now working on uh, creating the manuals for it and the artwork. Uh, after that, I'll Woo-hoo! be doing a web page. And you, mean also... manuals, you mean manuals that nobody will read? Yeah, well, oh, yeah, that's right. Well, at that's least he doesn't waste the paper. They're on PDFs, so no, no trees were killed in the making of this manual. So, yeah, uh. that's right. <laughs> and uh, it'll be officially starting its uh, um, game tester reviews. Um, I'll send a copy out to Curtis. Um, and, Do you know uh, what the uh, retail price is going to be? Because I'd like to pre-order one. Well. Um, the CD, the, my usual CD package will be twenty bucks again. Okay. With a down a download of uh, ten. So. Okay, might okay. just go for the download, but I do like the the tangible tangible doohickeys too. Cool. I've got some yes. nice artwork coming up on this other one. So. Okay. Beauty. Yeah. Everybody should order the physical one because that gets Nick Nick closer to his next Ferrari a little bit. Better. Absolutely. <laughs> <Just the digital. laughs> And what I'm about Mr. Moving to Lamborghinis? There you go, Lambo. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Ladd, anything new in your world? Um, not really. Um, really, really. <laughs> what? Okay. What? I I did happen to see something kind of nifty on uh, Amazon, uh, which would be kind of interesting to pair with maybe Ed's. TTL serial ports that are on the Mega Mini. It's a um, a Ethernet to TTL serial bridge. That way you could. Uh, it, it's it's kind of like those uh, Landtronics boxes that Mark sent me, but it's just it's literally a small module. Okay, okay. Cool. really small, huh? <laughs> Which reminds me, I have some for Robert Allen and you just send. I have them sitting right here. Yeah, if uh, I don't have a way to share it at the moment, but I sent you a link, Stevie, if you want to open the page. Where did you send that link? Discord. Okay, hold on one second. Uh, and David, my, my, my question for you is, when, when is the uh, sequel video to your Predator review coming out where you, you get onto <laughs> level two and, and explain how well the game plays there? 
Um, well, I would have to keep from having the desire to put my fist through the display first. <laughs> okay, so this well, you got to record that part. This is it here. It's, writing's uh, bonanza. Serial port to Ethernet server RJ thirty RJ forty five to TTL. Um, this is a very small adapter. Okay, it's it's not a heck of a lot bigger than the Ethernet jack thing. Right, but so so how? Card. But uh, help me understand. What does this have to do with the Mega Mini MPI? If you connect this to a serial thing on the Mega MPI, you saying you can get Ethernet off of that? Well. Uh, this is, would be kind of like what I've been doing with the ESP-01 with the BitBanger, where I've been making a wireless drive wire that way, or what um, Soupy did, where instead of making the huge serial adapter I built, he just made an adapter to go on the PIA that then puts one of those modules on there. But instead of being Wi-Fi... This does the same thing, but via Ethernet. Because where I live, there's like so much 2.4 gigahertz interference. You know, those ESP modules are very unreliable. Okay, so this basically, if you hardwire this to your local network and then somehow it connects to your serial or bitbanger, then you can do things like the um, Telnet BBSing and stuff like that? Should be. Okay, yep. so it does the Ethernet to, to serial translation in that circuit board. Yes, it's just like a line okay. box. Okay, gotcha. So that's a really so then that is impressive that you got that much stuff going in that small form factor there, huh? a little tiny footprint. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's like Marco's holding up. All right, yeah, th yeah. these are these are uh, basically a serial to uh, Ethernet a box. This is only ten megabit, but for old stuff, that's all you need. But it's basically an industrial thing. You can put like uh, barcode scanners or printers, so you can drop stuff remote places and then connect to them and print stuff out or scan things or read things. Yeah. So basically, but these are like, you know, a hundred dollar item, $150 item. So and that was like a $9 doohickey. So that's pretty cool. Yep. Exactly. Neat. By the way, uh, uh, David, we've got a, uh, from another David in the chat there, David Craker says, David Ladd, that will be must see TV. I must see the predator review. <laughs> <laughs> he can see the current existing one. Cause I don't think I want to risk you know, my current hardware trying to do a replay again <laughs> you should do it at the fest on somebody else's hardware then um uh, i might get kicked out of the fest in that case <laughs> no we have we have hardware specialists that repair the cocoa after you huck it against the wall so it'll be it'll be fine all right i got a couple of things to show off if everybody else is done there's a few i can just hold up to the camera and there's one i'm gonna have to switch to my phone and walk over to the bench behind me but um let me go ahead and 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 spotlight so um, this is not brand new, but I thought I would show it off again because this is what I got from, from Rick Eulen at, at CocoFest. But this is his IBM PC Junior joystick, which is basically the Kraft Deluxe Tandy joystick that he then converted to work on the Coco. And I got two of these. They're, they're new inbox. You know, very nice packaging here. It says Coco 3 Deluxe Joystick. It even has a little insert. It tells you how to write a little program in BASIC to check the, the axes and all that kind of stuff. And it's brand new. And that's what I was playing Color Caterpillar on this week was this joystick on, on my Coco 3. So thanks, Rick, you, for making these. Do you still have more of these available? Oh, yeah. And are these, are these also on your website, the Coco uh, Computer Connect with one com? Of course they are. Okay. I'm trying to make a thing here. All right. There you go. Uh, another thing I did, this is not 
new in general, but this is this is my um, this is my Coco SDC. Actually, I have got the uh, Blackout Edition when Richard Lorbieski was making these. But what I did today is I or what I did this week, inspired by um, Canadian Retro Things video, I went ahead and got that Ultimate SDC image because I've never actually tried one of those on the real Coco. I've been doing them on the Coco Pie, but I got the Ultimate SDC image and it's pretty cool there is a ton of stuff on there and, and um there's the release notes explain what's been added and changed and stuff and yeah so i kind of like that so i've been using my coco sdc on on real hardware this week which i have not done in a long time so thank you ken for making that video which inspired me to want to do that and, and play around with that um another thing i got because i wanted to use one of my cocos i could i have two coco threes and i have one that i had my switcheroo with that I couldn't find, I could find my other one. So I was doing all my Coco stuff on composite, which as you know, is not real pretty. So I sent a message to Jason from CocoMan.biz saying, hey, can I get a new switcheroo, all right? Which came in the mail yesterday. So I got my brand new switcheroo cable from CocoMan.biz, but the day after I placed my order, I found the one that I have. <laughs> so now I've got two switcheroos, but you can't, you can never have enough. But what I like about it is that he even included this little thing here Showing off all his fine cocoa products, the Crikey cable, the switcheroo, the wallaby, the didgeridoo, the Joey cereal, the Joey joystick, the kookaburra cable. And then he's even talking about this thing here, which is the new Joey high-res switch, which does the high-res joystick interface and all that kind of stuff. So he's got all that. And then in the bag, he even has the uh, little instructions on how to plug it into your color computer and all that kind of stuff. So... It's a well-made cable. I got it very quickly. I think I got it within two days from the time I placed my order on Discord. Um, so I got it very quickly, very well packaged and shipped and all that kind of stuff. So thank you, for thank you, Jason, for that. So the last thing I want to show you, which was my acquisition from, from yesterday, and I'm going to have to mute myself and, and jump on the phone because i got to walk um, to the other side of the room here. Let me see if I can get on here. Um, uh, I hate trying to do Zoom on the phone. Uh, here we go. Let's see if I can get on here and then I have to mute myself. I mean, let, let me just mute myself right now. Quick. Ah, peace and quiet at last. Ah, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody turned a waiting room on. Bless you. <laughs> All right, so can you guys hear me? Uh, I can hear you. I yes, don't see your yes. other video feed, though. Uh, I'm trying to figure that out right now. Uh, okay, I have this one here. How do I switch my camera around? Switching my camera around. Okay, so can you see my uh, roaming video right now? No. You're going to have no. to spotlight yourself. Or your other self. Uh, let's do that. There we go. Got it. See a nice spotlight? wall. Yeah, hold on one second. Now we see David's lad. On me. Okay, so can you see my video now? Yep. Yep. All right. Let me get some more light in here. Tandy so 1000. This is my acquisition I got um, yesterday. It is a Tandy 1000 SX. We can kind of see the case and parts here. Now here it's on the floor. Um, and it's got dual floppies. And um, it doesn't boot to BIOS right now, and I'm not sure why. But one of the interesting, it also came with a hard card, as you can see here. So I've got this big giant hard card here with a uh, hard drive I'm not even that familiar with. This is a MicroScribe hard drive. Not familiar with that brand. 
Um, but so the, the interesting thing here is if you look at this slot here, the edge connector was actually broken. So the mm. hard card kind of broke out of the slot and the plastic bezel here snapped off. And so the teeth here are all kind of wobbly. I'm not sure if any of this is causing it to be shorted, but I've basically stripped it down to the motherboard. I'm going to pull out the motherboard and just do some physical cleaning and see if I can't get it to boot without having to solder or desolder because I don't do that. But I'm going to see what I can do to bring it to life. And if I can't bring it to life, then I'll have to get help from a friend who knows how to probe and scope and all that kind of stuff. But it'll be a fun little hardware project to see if I can't, you know, just kind of clean and, and uh, kind of reseat all the chips, vacuum it, clean it, see if I can find any leaky caps or traces, anything that's visible to the naked eye, if I can see it, that'll help me figure out what's wrong. We'll see. But this would be neat to get going if I can get going. So, what well, you can and use not, a slot, slot next to it to do continuity checks between the pins. And because you say that slots, in English, all those slots <laughs> are all pretty much tied together. Oh, so, it's like a series, like a series circuit, so to speak, like a bus. But most okay. of them, yeah, there, I think there's maybe one, one or two pins that aren't. But uh, you can use, say, the slot next to to see if any of the pins are shorted together with mm -hmm. a continuity check. So would that have to be like with a voltmeter? Yeah, in uh, you know continuity mode, because those down at the bottom corner, it looks softly close together there. Like if some of them are touched, if they're touching each other, is that yeah. bad? Right. Yeah, that would that would be bad. Yes, <laughs> that okay. don't look so good. Uh, or just cram a plan card in there, and yeah, it's about to say that you don't need the whole just, deck. <laughs> just separate it. Yeah, Grab some pliers and just rip them out by the roots. Well, that's what I was going to say. I figured we've lost this slot, and there's plenty of other slots, and I only need probably right. one slot to get a hard drive in here, you know? So I don't mind losing a slot, but I don't want to do any damage to the motherboard. Right. Um, but playing card. I mean, playing card. Okay, so we'll look at that, and I, maybe I'll do like a live stream, and you guys can help me out with that, and we'll see what we can do, but you know, I, I don't have a, a voltmeter right now. I definitely don't have any scopes or probes or any of that kind of stuff. But I do have deoxit and I do have a computer vac. So I can do some physical cleaning and see if that helps. And you do have a deck of cards. I do have a deck of cards. <laughs> so, so that's a little project for a non-hardware guy. But um, and, and right now I've also gotten some real hardware out of the garage up on a shelf here. So I got my Dragon, uh, TI, ColecoVision, a few things like that, graphics pad. I've got my Coco One with Coco VGA up here on the shelf. I got my Coco Three with my Switcheroo, and I got my uh, SCART HDMI down here. So, so I'm getting back to using real hardware again because the certain things did not do well on the Coco Pie, especially that Caterpillar game. So I had to do a whole search and destroy mission to find things in my garage that I organized so well I couldn't find them. So, um, so there we go. A little view from the uh, from the man cave. And this is behind the scenes. If you ever wondered what the Coco, Doc, Coco Talk production looks like, here it is, boys and girls. This is behind the scenes of Coco Talk. All right, I'm hanging up on the phone now. Bye-bye, everybody. Uh, and there we silence go. Silence at last. <laughs> <laughs> so did he say he had a, a 1000SX? 
Yeah, 1000 SX. Yeah. Now, what speed was that? I'm not like, sure because I have not seen it boot to BIOS. Yes, I, I don't know. Right. So, like, uh, I assume it was faster than the original 1000. Uh, I don't know if it's probably still, if it's still in, first, in the first wave, it's probably still in 8088 at 4.77, but I'm not sure, right. to be honest with you. Okay. Yeah, it might be a Dash 2 or one of the neck chips that does like seven point whatever. Well, I do have the one I got at Cocoa Fest a couple years ago, and, and I actually put the neck V20 in that one to give it a little boost, and it didn't seem to help Cosmic Aliens that much. But um, yeah, I, I figure if worse comes to worse, I've got a lot of spare parts. I've got the keyboard. I've got two five and a quarter inch floppies. I've got an extra power supply. I've got an extra case. Um, so if worse comes to worse, I've got lots of spare parts. But I have a feeling this is, if I can't fix it, uh, I know enough people in my Florida Retro Computer Club that um, somebody can help me get this thing fixed. I'm sure it's repairable. Make it a Cocoa uh, 3 repack. Um, put, that's put possible. A, or put the Cocoa Pie in there or, or something. Or, you know. or the pie, rather, yeah. But it's just such a waste of space <laughs> when you think about it. I'm trying to well, go smaller, is. not bigger. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but, no, there, I, I, like, that was my, that was my um, second thing from tandy right i went from the coco one to the coco three to the tandy 1000 so that was part of my evolution in, in tandy computers so that was my first pc so the tandy 1000 is very nostalgic for me uh it was my first um you know ms dos compatible based system and that's you know played a lot of games on there played all the king's quest sierra games on there did develop cosmic aliens on there you know so uh, there's a special place in my heart for the tandy 1000 it's definitely in the tandy family so I'll make sure it gets some love. I will mention, I just checked on Wikipedia, and according to them, the SX actually was uh, 4.77 or 7.16 megahertz 888. Ah. Mm. So so we'd have to see. We'll we'll have to wait and see if I can get it going. Um, But, yeah, so that might be a thing to stream and just play around with, you know, mess with my new 4K camera. And I I actually bought, I just recently bought a PC vac that I use because sometimes I have to clean out laptops for clients and stuff too. So I've got a... uh, anti-static computer vac that i can you know actually clean stuff with so i can try to do some of that do some deoxid etc etc now if it's seven megahertz that would be pretty sweet because i actually i only want one tandy 1000 and technically i have two if i can get this working and then i would just bring my other one to coca fest and sell it to somebody give it a good home Um, because i love them but they take up a whole lot of room and i don't need two. you know so yeah. Every computer I open up, everything starts running in different directions. <laughs> but I got that from uh, from uh, Greg Smith, who's in my Florida Retro Computer Club. He's actually close to me in Port St. Lucie, and he runs a electronics recycling business. So he gets a lot of stuff where people are getting rid of stuff. So he gets like things from estates and this and that and the other. And he had gotten this was part of a big haul from an estate sale, or some guy was just selling a bunch of stuff. So he got like an old Commodore PET. With the small screen and the chiclet keyboard, you got a bunch of C64s, this dual C64 drive. It's like in a metal chassis. I forgot what it was called, like CM something, I think is what it was called. But um, as he got a bunch of stuff, and then there was this, and there was also a Tandy data term that looked like a Model 3, but it was just a dumb terminal. You know? Oh, yeah, so, DT1. Yeah, data terminal it 1. Was, so it was white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he got a bunch of stuff, and when he when he saw it, he tagged me. He goes, "Look, if there's any Tandy stuff you want, you got first dibs on the Tandy stuff." I'm like, "Yeah," I said, "I'll be I'll be interested in the Tandy 1000, but I don't want the data terminal. It's it's huge, and I don't <laughs> I don't need more stuff that takes up space, you know." So, does does he encounter Coco threes much? Because if uh, if it does, that's something you could probably. No, nah, I mean, if I, if he did, I, if he did, I would know. 
Yeah, so yeah. Nah, not a lot of Coco stuff, honestly. I don't know if you saw in the Discord, but Henry Reitfeld, there's an estate sale up where he is in Ontario. The person was actually an engineer and repair person for Radio Shack Tandy, and they've got a ton of stuff from Model 16s to Model 1s to peripherals, all kinds of stuff. He went and picked up a bunch. But I guess there's a ton of stuff in this thing here, but I don't know how accessible it is to people in the States. Hmm. Yeah. Every now and then you hear about those things where it's just a big collection of things that somebody bought. This has got everything under the sun in it, right? So I mean, you know how much stuff Henry Wright does. I was saying when he came back and he posted about it in Discord after he went to go see it, he said, I was a bit overwhelmed. <laughs> you see how busy his basement <laughs> He's is. He's got that, a basement full a of everything. Yeah. Yeah. That is. Cool. All right. Well, I think we've 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 achieved history. We've done a show in just under three hours, and we didn't cut any corners. We didn't speed through the news. We didn't, you know. So I guess not having a guest sometimes allows us to have a reasonably length show. So. Yeah, that's like a retro show of a retro show because that's us harkening back to the days we were under three hours an episode. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That didn't last long though. No, no. So um, so as we're wrapping up, we'll say hello and goodbye to everybody in the live chat. So Chris Duris is out there, Mr. Dave's out there, Kevin Holloway, and David Lord, and Frederick Provancha, and Rick Yu, and Mikey, and David Craker, Kevin Holloway, and Erico is out there. We showed off your game earlier, Erico. Great work there. Mark Overholzer, Erico. Uh, John Lowry's been out there. Tom Eric Gunderson has been out there. David Lord... And Rick Yu and Frederick Provencia, uh, Amigos Retro Gaming had stopped by earlier. And so did B. Rye FPV and Daddy Burrito and um, the Taylor and Amy show came by earlier. I think Tim Linder might have been here. We had a Nick Marota sighting. Nick Marota, Nick Marota, Nick Marota. Uh, Canadian Retro Things. D. Bruce Moore joined us in the panel and uh, in the chat. David Craker was out there. Mark Siegel was out there. Kevin Holloway. Um, looking forward to see what uh, D. Bruce Moore does next because he does some really creative things. So, uh, any any other final thoughts from the panel? No interview next week. So it's two weeks in a row. We'll no have interview next shows. week. Maybe another short show. So by mistake, um, I did not fix the outro from the last time we did an after dark. But my mistake is your benefit because most people don't get to hear. The uh, Coco Talk After Dark theme too much. So we're going to play you out right now with the Coco Talk After Dark outro. And then we'll be back for final thoughts. So enjoy this, kids. All right. Thank you for watching another episode of Coco Talk, the world-cleaning live talk show featuring the Sandy Color Computer. We hope you've enjoyed your time with us today, folks. And we'll be here again next week. I'd like to thank David Ladd and the Coco Talk Orchestra for the fine music you're hearing today here. This episode was brought to you by Paul Mall Cigarettes. Twice the tobacco, three times the nicotine, four times the flavor, 1,000% satisfaction. Make sure you light up your Paul Malls, boys and girls. It's like Joe Cole, but bad for your lungs. <laughs> And remember to drink your oval cream. Oh, man. That song just moves my booty. I love it. All right. I'm glad uh, we didn't see that on camera. <laughs> yes, I know. I, I would have been scarred for life. <laughs> All right. Final thoughts or goodbye? Goodbye. No, no goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everyone, and you have a great weekend. Ooh, and you too, David. Oh, my.
<laughs> Tim and AJ in two weeks. Tim and AJ in two weeks. Bye-bye now. All right, and we are off the air.